All right, what's happening, everybody? Back once again, Lights Out Podcast with the usual suspects with you. One uh, new person here, not usually here, and this is our favorite thing to do. You know what we're talking about, the deep dives, and we only do the deep dives uh, with our favorite, especially our 50 Fight Club members, and that's what we got here. We have a 50 Fight Club member, old school guy, once again, like myself, Carlo Prater. Carlo, what's happening, brother? How you doing? Good, man. How you doing, Chris? You're a legend, bro. I appreciate it, man. I'm just happy to be here right now, getting to talk to you. Um, I love the old school guys like myself, people who were around in my era because it's a different group of people now. And uh, all of us had a different mindset and mentality, I believe. And, and so, you know, I know my story and I just like to hear a little bit about, you know, other people who, who were around the same time as me. So luckily for me, I have awesome. uh, these two guys and they're way better at, you know, dragging that information out than I am. So, Mike, what do you got for us, brother? All right. So, Carlo, first and foremost, Chris allows us to, like, really <laughs> open up doors in people's personal lives. Like, your wife and you know, your child, they're probably going to be screaming at you because this is going to be a long one. And I'd like <laughs> to say, like, it's our fault. I'm sorry, but Chris 100% is behind it as well. So let's just That's, get that out okay, there right cool. now. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, appreciate it's, it. yeah <laughs> you might want to tell the old lady to, you know, not wait up for you. You no, know, no, she's I, sleeping, and, and my boy just went off to bed as well. He 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 got his homework done. He's already down for the night. So nice, nice. <laughs> all right. So your hours. I I got one question for you because I noticed I'm doing a little research here, Carlo. You you fought yes. like in 2019, and you're still you're still like right around 40, like a little south of 40 still. So like, are you still thinking wow. about competing? Are you are you, are you or are you done, man? You know, Miguel, you know, I fought for you for, you know, uh, many years back, 15 years or so, I think. But, uh, man, if, if if this in any way, me getting on this podcast, it's because here, here's the deal. Let me just get it out there. I, I'm looking for fights, man. I've been looking for fights for a long time. Nice. I've been sending emails to old contacts, and it's just the same old thing. You know, we're not interested or, um, you know, uh, you know, it is what it is. So if, if by in any, you know – in any, if there's anybody out there, man, um, I will fight you. Uh, 170 wow. pounds, straight up. Uh, you know, I've got a lot to do in this game still. You know, uh, you you talked about 40, right, Miguel? Well, uh, you know, man, honestly, I I, I had some shots in uh, in my career, but you know, I, I was always just like, uh, I, I just didn't do it, man. I just didn't pull the trigger, and but I know that the the fighter I am now. And uh, the mind that I have now, training some of the guys that I do, and just you know, uh, the collective uh, knowledge and, and mindset and experience I have in this game, I'm, I, I can actually do more now than I could do ten years ago. It's uh, it's really sad, maturity. honestly. When I had this, yeah, when I, you know, I don't know if you feel me, Chris, but uh, when I had those chances to, uh, you know, I had good good opportunities to, uh, you know, really establish myself in this sport, and uh, you know. Um, I just floundered. And then, you know, I had to like fight triply or, you know, doubly, triply to try to make up for that lost ground in my career. And, you know, I, I made a lot of, you know, I don't want to say bad decisions because it let, it, it led me to where I am now. You know, I'm blessed. I, yeah. I, I'm, I believe me, bro. I'm not, I'm not uh, complaining. I live a great life, man. I'm comfortable. I have two beautiful children. I, you know, I'm blessed by God, but I, you know, in MMA, uh, yeah, man, dude, I'm, I, if if this if me coming on uh 
you know, you guys show and, uh, you know, can help that in any way. I would love for that to happen. But once again, Miguel, you had said something about the 40, 40, right? Well, I've got it in my mind. I'm coming up on 40 in June. Right. And so I would really like to get 40 wins. And, uh, then at that point I'll hang it up, man. But, um, I'm at 34, right I'm 34, 20 and one, and I can mm -hmm. do six fights in a year. I tried my hardest to get on with PFL the last three seasons. Well, the last two really, but, uh, you know, trying to send emails directly to their guys. It was shot down, not responded this, that, and it's just, you know, other promotions as well, you know, promotions I fought for in the recent, you know, times. It's just, I don't know what's up, man. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, maybe it's the, the, you know, the uh, COVID deal. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's any of that because even before that, Chris, this was happening. So mm. I don't know. Buddy. Weird, man. Um, I mean, that shocks me, man, to be honest with you. Cause I mean, personally, I felt like I, I retired when I still had quite a bit left, but I felt like really, until I was about 42 and a half, I felt like I, I, I was still on top of my game, you know, and then I know, it right? started getting hard. Like, I felt like after that, if I wanted to continue to really go to do MMA, it would have had to be with a lot of chemical help. You know, I had to be doing the growth hormone and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I wasn't willing to do that. But I mean, like, yeah, I'm just saying, I, I, really, I used to train hard, you know, for, for several years after I quit fighting. I felt great. I'd go in there and train with the guys. It went until I got yeah. to about 42 to 43. And I was like, man, I, I'm, I don't recover anymore. Like, I'm, I'm still tired after I work out. And, you know, I used to be able to yeah. – it changed. But, I mean, that, that tells me you probably got a couple, you know, years left in you, man, if you if you could really do it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so Carlo – Well, I do my bloods. I do my bloods twice a year. And, uh, you know, I I, I, I took time I – I didn't really take much time off over the last several years, but I was forced to. I tore my ACL twice – separate ACLs. And so I had to take about a year off from both. And I did, you know, the whole uh, surgery and recovery process with the top flight professionals down here. And I really had really good uh, recovery on each. But um, in that time, I, I took back up my studies and I got my degree again. So I've got a, a something to fall back on. But, I'm, you know, I've got a lot more fight left in me and a lot more to show. Um is Brazil still you know, up and but, running in I mean, regards to shows? What's that? Is Brazil up and I, running in regards to shows? Man, honestly, it's it's uh it's I don't know too many events that are even happening. Um, the the you know the economy down here wasn't the best as it is already, and then after COVID, you know things have really 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 grinded to a halt. I live in Brasilia; it's an administrative city. It's sort of like DC, right? So it's yeah. a, a lot of bureaucrats and government uh, uh, jobs, and that's what moves the local economy. But in big cities like Rio and Sao Paulo, I'm sure there's a lot of gyms closing and a lot of. Um, I mean, there you know there's just. It's like there, there is a you know in the states or in Europe or anywhere else that's that so had had solid economies before this whole thing. Um, a lot of small mom and pops and medium sized businesses are closing up just because they can't compete and, and all that. Yeah. But, but I'd say that hurts the MMA. Yeah, there's not that many shows going on. Yeah, I thought Waleed was still doing shows, but why don't we start from the beginning? Like we we kind of started at the end. Why don't, why don't we kind of <laughs> rewind a little bit? Not, and we'll go sorry. From the beginning. That's, no, no, it's okay. no, no, no. I, I had asked the question, but uh, but yeah, Mike, take it away. Okay, so um, your first fight, your first documented fight, is March twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. Unified Shoot Wrestling Federation eight. It was your first. It's your first and only amateur fight on record. 
Is that correct? Or was there something before that? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's what it stayed as because see amateur didn't, that didn't even really happen until after a couple years later. So they changed that and put it as an amateur. But at the time that I got 300 bucks, Steve Nelson gave me, I thought it was awesome. You know, I mean, I was, I was, I think it was 16. I was fixing to turn 17. And so I was happy. It was some money in my pocket and Man, wrestling season had fight. ended in Oklahoma and, uh, well, wrestling season had ended in Oklahoma. And, uh, so there wasn't really any training, at, you know, at, uh, where, where, where I was, you know, going to school at Memorial high school, same high school as uh, Johnny <laughs> Hendricks. And, uh, but there oh, wasn't wow. any wrestling going on. Um, after the fight, I was just like, you know, this is great, man. You got, I, I even got paid later on a couple years later they're like oh you know you weren't even 18 or this and that so it turned to amateur but at the time i i considered it a pro fight mike yeah I mean, you get but, paid you know, your pro man that's it how changed I it no, not only right are, i mean that's how it is right paid, so I mean, right and not only at the time too nelson you can't really get more credible than that you know nelson show in, in texas you know show you're, you're on the eighth show there weren't many people in 1998 who'd already run eight ten shows Man. Dude, you know, Steve Nelson's Steve Nelson's an OG, bro. He went to war with Half Gracie back in the day, man. He tra- you know, that's a that's an OG rivalry right there. That's for another day, right? I mean, that guy's yeah. he goes back to, you know, Japanese shoot wrestling, you know, we're talking 94, 95 old stuff, you know, that mix between the catch wrestling, the mix between the pro wrestling and the MMA, how it was and the in the, you know, the pancreas rules and everything. That's pretty that's old school. That's far right. from modern MMA, man. That's for sure. So modern where were you Cajun training? At, where were you training at the time for this bout? Uh, I, uh, you know, I was uh, wrestling JV for MMA Memorial High School. And then also I, uh, I trained also with my buddy, uh, Jeff Lindsay, uh, who was a uh, uh, Machado, uh, uh, Carlos Machado, uh, blue belt at the time. And he and a partner of his, who was also Carlos Machado Blue Belt, they had a school um, at the time called Oklahoma City Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, OKC BJJ. And um, I was training mostly there and, you know, the the high school in the room uh, during wrestling season. But for that fight, I remember just training a lot at Oklahoma City BJJ, really. And then I I at that time, I was also uh, still um, going to uh, my judo sensei's uh, dojo there in Oklahoma City, uh, Bill Sharp. But um, I was just mostly going to Oklahoma City Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at the time to do the you know the MMA training at the time that we did, and it wasn't adequate because I lost quickly. I, I just wasn't ready, man. You know, but um, hey, you're I sixteen really, years old. Well, you I wasn't ready for it, the. What you guys call it? I just wasn't ready for the, the reality, was man. It? it was a big adrenaline dump for me. I mean, if you watch the fight, watch the fight. It's hilarious. I, you know, I spaz out and I straight clock him one, two with closed hands and the ref jumps in there and he's like, everybody's just like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause I was just so adrenalized. Man. And so, you know, at the time it was the shoot fighting rules. It was the open hand and face. Yeah. yeah. And, and close to the body. But you know, I just, Wham! One, two, quick down the pipe, and and the refs just jump in, and you know, and you see me on the on the on the on the video, just like, oh, sorry, so innocent, you know, stupid, but it's just hilarious. You're like not ready, shouldn't have fought, but whatever, you know. Now, glad now I Evan did Tanner, it. yeah, Evan Tanner headlined that card. Yeah, yeah, I remember we I went out before him, and then after him, it you know he's a big deal, man. 
Oh, okay. 11. Rest in peace, man, right? Were you a big ticket seller back then? Me? No, yeah. no, no. I don't think so. I wouldn't say so at all. I, I, I you know, I might have had a, a small following because of family and friends, you know, maybe in Oklahoma and Texas, but not even at that time. I mean, in, in Texas, I mean, in the panhandle of Texas at that time, it was it was Steve Nelson and the boys ranch. You know, Paul Jones ran a wrestling uh, project there. You know, in the north of Texas, there's actual wrestling, you know, getting in the south, central and south of Texas, there's no real wrestling, just football mm. and stuff. But in Oklahoma, wrestling's huge. But yeah, uh, you know, in, in the Panhandle, they wrestle, and so they've got the Boys Town there, which is you know a, a juvenile program or you know a detention center, I believe. And uh, at the time, Paul Jones was wrestling coaching there, so they had all that talent there coming out of the Boys Boys Town. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Well, then you take four years off, and um, you start doing tournaments. Um, what was the reason for the time off? Because your next fight, your recorded fight, is November 1st, uh, 2002, which is a four-man tournament. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I didn't take – well, I guess I did take time off because I, 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 you know, I, I, I was going to high school at the time of that uh, one That's in 98. So I just basically just like my family was, you know, like, hey, you know, you know uh, – school first and all that. And then I, my dad uh, got offered a job here in uh, Brasilia about that time too. That's right. I remember now. And so I thought it was great. I was like, Oh, great. Uh, my parents uh, uh, were divorced and everything. And I lived with my father and he got a job uh, offer uh, to come back here and do mission work with the, uh, for, for the churches of Christ here in Brasilia. And I was like, awesome. Great. That's where I lived. Yeah. Uh, it's the same place I lived and everything. So I basically came back to the same city that I had left as a child, but it was, uh, it worked out great at the time. This was in 98, you know, right after that fight, it, we, we came down here in uh, June. So right after high school uh, uh, finished up there in, in Edmond in 98 sophomore year. And I came down here and I did my junior and senior year and, uh, uh, graduated in 2000. And then I, uh, you know, took a month or so off and my dad and my, my mother had, uh, you know, saved up some money or whatever for uh, my, my, uh, sister and I for, you know, college or whatever. It wasn't a lot of money. It was just enough to maybe, you know, pay, pay a semester of books and tuition and get you started. And at the time I was like, man, I, I just, I, I was so nerded out on fighting, man. It was, you know, I was really, it was just, such a psycho, man. I, you know, so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go to Thailand. So I, I just went to Thailand. I, I, I went to a travel agency here in Brasilia. And, you know, I didn't know any better because at the, at the time, the Internet was, you know, this was in 2000. <laughs> and the Internet was really, it was really, it was good, I guess, but it was slow. And I remember there were, you know, Alta Vista and Web Crawler and all, Lycos, <laughs> all these old school you know, web, web crawler, you know, uh, these, uh, search engines before pre Google. Right. But, uh, so I, I, I went to, so I, I want to go to Thailand cause you know, I was big into blood sport and Frank Dukes. I just, anyway, uh, so I go to Thailand. All right. So I'm in Thailand. I'm like, man, I love it here, but I got to go back. I, I bought up a, a ticket to go back. I was, I had only had enough real money to uh, stay for a month or so. So what I did was I went back 
and, and came back to Brasilia and I stayed for about three months over the next, uh, uh, several, you know, three months or so I, I, I gave some privates, sold some stuff that I'd bought at Lumpini, saved up enough money to buy another return ticket to go back to Thailand. So I went back to Thailand in 2001 and just stayed for about four months there until I couldn't uh, keep myself up anymore and uh, came back to Brasilia and sort of did the same thing that my last week there, I went to the old Lumpini stadium, which there is no more, unfortunately. And, uh, uh, they had the the twin store there, the official twin store. Poon, the lady there, she, I I dealt with her several times. Uh, with like big shipments of, you know, having to deal with like logistics companies at the time, sending uh, you know, like forty pairs of tie pads and, you know, oh, wow. twenty pairs of of uh, group of tie shorts was which was the team that I was like forming at the time here in Brasilia of Muay Thai and, and Vali Tudo at the time, which was MMA right now. <coughs> and so um, that's what I did for, I guess, the next four years. And then in 2001, I, I caught the bug. I was like, you know, this is great. You know, I, I went to Thailand, I fought there, I did some cool stuff. And I, I, I had a couple uh, uh, offers uh, in Brazil for, for uh, uh, Vali Tudo matches. And uh, I got the offer to uh, fight Anderson Silva at the time in Mecca, hey. Mecca four. And uh, who'd you mind? You didn't take that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, and that's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. At the time, you know, um, I had already watched a couple of his fights and and everything. And and I, I, I honestly, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready at all, honestly. Um, that would have been my first fight you know, since that fight in 98, but I was game. And so I went to Rio and I did a camp for it. I stayed 10 days at a uh, Cromados and then came back to Brasilia. And then, then they uh, prolonged the event for uh, a, a month later, Hujamai and all those guys from the box. They, that were setting up the, the event. They Was like, said, you know, they, uh, no, uh, yeah, no, that's another guy. That's the IVCWDC guy. This is actual okay. Hujumar Fedrigo, the owner of Shuchibok's gym. But okay. either way, they put the fight back. And in this time, I sort of like, I I, I just got tired of training, basically, man. It, it, they'd set it back like twice at that point, the, the event date. And it wasn't like today. It wasn't like, oh, no, you know, here in a month or two, we just need a new venue or whatever. At the time, it was always like, you know, you know, it just what it, it is what it is. There's, you know, it wasn't a real sport even. So, you know, they, they set it back a month and then that next month they set it back again during that time. I just let it go. And he ended up fighting another guy, which thank God. Right. Like you said, Mike, I wasn't ready for sure. I mean, in, in, at that time though, I was game for it, you know, <laughs> but I would have done it. I would have, Took in my lumps, man, but he fought uh, Claudio Nor Foncinelli, a guy that I ended up fighting later. But anyways, but that's what I did in those four years, man. I basically finished high school. Oh, man, it wouldn't have been much. I mean, I don't even remember <laughs> at the time. It wouldn't have been much. I mean, yeah. the guy that even was – the guy that was getting me fights at that time was a guy out of Sao Paulo anyways. And, I mean, I didn't even know him to face-to-face. -face. He might have been – 
telling me something and it was something else. And he's like giving me. You can have a thousand on a five thousand dollar fight. Yeah. 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 Thank hey, you. Uh, <laughs> I, I got a question there. So it sounds like, you know, did you do you, did you realize really that you were way ahead of the curve and the but like you were doing jujitsu and you were doing Muay Thai? I mean, that that was something I don't think a lot of people were really doing. You know, back in the day when you were talking, you'd be like, what's this guy do? Oh, he's a kickboxer. He's a jujitsu guy. I mean, not many people were good at multiple disciplines, you know? So did you kind of yeah. realize you were doing something different or do you just want to do everything or what, what kind of motivated you to do it like that? Man, that's a good question, Chris. I don't know what really motivated but me, honestly, but I was, I was really big into the martial arts aspect of it. Like I watched the, the Mundial championships in 98, 99 and 2000 and 2001 live with my, <laughs> with, uh, the guys that I, I trained with here in Brasilia for many years, Julio Puggi and Sandro Bala, they, they took me down the, in 1998. I'll never, I'll never forget it. And I watched that. So after that, I was like, man, and at, at, in, and it's funny because that, that summer uh, I had also seen the World Cup was in uh, Stillwater. And so I'd seen the best wrestlers in the world. I'd seen the best jujitsu guys in the world. I was like, you know what? I got to go to Thailand. See, you know, because they had a couple – Rinky dink little Muay Thai places in Brazil at Brasilia, central Brazil at the time. But I could tell, I was like, dude, I, I you know, I was 18 <laughs> at the time. I was like, I'd wreck this guy, you know, and I don't even know anything. So I was like, I got to go to where that comes from. You know, that martial arts comes, comes from the, yeah. the, the fountain, right. Go, go to the, the fountain of it. And that, that source, was my baby. thought on it really. I, you know, if I could have gone to like, Oh, go to everywhere around, you know, those, uh, that those uh, documentary shows where the, the the two guys go around they train in all the places of where yeah. the martial art came from. I would have loved to you know done that, but I just <laughs> it's it, like human. It, I just like yeah, I'm gonna go to yeah. Thailand, you know. Jason yeah. Chambers. All right, so who was your main camp in Brazil? Um, you know, here in Brasilia, I, I I was one of the only guys. See, because I I. I'm American here. And you know what I mean? Like in Brazil, in, in, in the States, I, I don't have much of a, you know, an accent or anything. I, I passed for an American fine here. I stick out like a sore thumb and always have really. So, you know, when I came back in 98, I did, I wasn't fluent in Portuguese. I, I, had, I had many years. I had forgot it as a kid. When I, when I left here, I was seven. And then I moved to Connecticut and moved to Texas and then Oklahoma and then came back. In that time, I forgot my Portuguese. So when I came back, I just didn't know any Portuguese. And it took me about a year and a year and, you know, some months to get to where I could really talk. But uh, I don't know. I, I What I'm trying to say is uh, I, I, when I got here, that one of the things that really helped me was, you know, it was the martial arts deal. It was like I, I went to <clears throat> I went to a, a jujitsu gym here and is more of Valitudo. It was the only real Valitudo jiu-jitsu guys in Brasilia at the time. Uh, Julio Puggi and Sandubal. There's a bunch of other jiu-jitsu guys in, in town, but there were more sport jiu-jitsu and everything. And I wanted Valitudo jiu-jitsu. And at the same time, I started training. Um, they, they, they had their jiu-jitsu gym at the Clube do Flamengo, the Flamengo Club in Brasilia. And at the time, there was a Luta Livre guy. That, would, that had just showed up from Rio, and he was teaching Luta Libre classes. Well, I don't know if you remember, 
you guys, I'm sure remember, but there's a big rivalry, you know, in the 90s, 80s, and 90s yeah. between Luta Libre and uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Basically, Luta Libre is like American uh, catch wrestling, submission mm -hmm. wrestling, wrestling. All right? So, so Joe Hill, yeah, did you ever work out with Joe Hill de, de Oliveira? No, no, no. He's a legend, man. I never worked yeah. out with him. He's Budokan Luta Libre. It's a different sect of Luta Libre, basically. Okay. okay. But, I mean, no, yeah, <laughs> it's – it's uh. It's Sorry. all the same, man. There's no mystery in your thing. It's just sort of lineage. The guys that, that he trained with are different from it's the they're the ones that were the speedo wearing Luta Libre guys. They, right? they say that Dennis Hallman uh used to work out in the in the Valitudos and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he's he's the one that the, he's the inspiration, original inspiration for old <laughs> banana hallman, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, little, little known MMA facts. There you go. Yeah, Thanks, Carl. Not Appreciate true. That. We I made that up, I remember, but we're going with it. I so, oh, Mr. Cavendish, fights. Cavendish Holman, there, right? Well, <laughs> Carla, let me let me try to tap tap some of your knowledge about Little Libre because it's a fascinating subject to us. So now, it, it, from my knowledge, I know a couple of the big branches, right? Okay, you got like Joe Ricardo and Joe Hill and those guys. Like yeah, Budokan. And then you had like Roberto yeah. Leitao and Marco Ruas and, and like that. Yep. Like, what well, else can you fill us in? Or, or was you or was your group a branch of one of those? And did they accept you as, as being a non-Brazilian? Yes. Yeah. See, here's the thing. What I was trying to get, I was trying to, you know, synthesis all that together and basically say what helped me, uh, you know, acculturate here and be accepted here, I believe, is because – you know, I had my wrestling qualities. I could take guys down. I could scramble, and I was pretty athletic, I guess. And you know, I was hard nosed, and you know, I was very you know, you know how it is when you're. you're pretty I was, I was, I was, I was young, so I was cocky. I'd given all the old hearts, you know, the hardcore guys, good roles. So everybody liked me for that. You know what I mean? It was good training, right? But. I was good training in jujitsu and then it was good training in Luta Libre. But then I, over time I, I started getting better in their, their systems. Cause they actually have really good methodologies of training, like hip movement in jujitsu and Luta Libre attacking neck and ankles and, you know, anything at any time, basically, and just ripping it off, you know? So they, they, they I learned a lot from both schools, but always with that wrestling base of, you know, uh, just Oklahoma folk style wrestling uh, as as my my real base, and also the judo, which helped a lot too. My judo background helped a lot, especially when I started diving more into jujitsu, you know, because of the gi. But mm. uh, luta libre is is totally man. I I I think luta libre is one of the most underappreciated of the arts, really, because if you think about it, there's there's quite a few. Um, uh, fighters that have actually been positively influenced by training with guys that are, you know, Luta Libre guys, proponents or instructors, you know, um, I know that, you know, there's a couple of the uh, distillates of, 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 uh, of Eugenio Tadeo and Hugo Duarte guys like Marcelo Brigadero um, over in England that spread that seed there, you know, but um, getting back to your question, I trained with, um, Marcos Goins, who is a black belt under uh, Eugenio Tadeu, and Eugenio Tadeu is the he's he's the he's little Napoleon, right? So he's a he's a little dude. He was always frontline Luta Libre, right? He was he was big in he was big into like you know, dojo, beach, street, 
you know, just, you know, throwing down. And, you know, at the time, I didn't even really, that wasn't really what, you know, that I was fascinated about. But once I got to know, know him and meet him and train at his dojo in Rio, I took on a, a, a lot more, you know, um, respect for him and everything yeah. he's done. Now, Eugenio, Eugenio fought in the UFC, but Eugenio, for you guys uh, out there that may not remember, is the guy who fought Hendo Gracie in Pentagon Combat and, you know, uh, like yeah. his Luda Libre team may, may have stabbed Hendo during the fight. <laughs> so, is that the got, one? <laughs> hey, were, were you, uh, were you at, at any of those live events? Um, I wasn't at Pentagon Combat, but it's funny. Uh, Marcelo Tigre, uh, uh, a guy also that I trained with many years here in Brasilia, he's he's he also uh, black belt. He's in Hawaii and stuff. He fought a bunch exactly, of Exactly, with Egan. With Egan. Yeah. Yeah, he went to Hawaii. Here's a funny story on that one, right? So Marcelo Tigre, he, you know, before he could even leave Brazil, he, he was like, Carlo, you know, what I'm going to do? You know, he'd been to the pen. And so, you know, my dad spoke on his behalf over at the U S embassy and gave him a good, you know, good review. And he, he's like any smart guy, Marcelo, I have to, you know, take my hat off to him. He was able to get his, uh, U S uh, visa, you know, visa and go to the States. And he went over to Hawaii, man. He made a career, a little career over there. Oh, well, not a career. I mean, he'd already had a career, but he made a little bit of a rivalry over there and uh, opened up a gym and, so pretty funny, man. But yeah, I've known Marcelo Chigre for for years. Wow. He's actually here in Brasilia. Yeah, I talk to him every week because he's wow. got a couple guys that I help and stuff. I let him move around on my, you know, I got a cage and everything. Got a little, I got a little spot here. You'd like it, Chris? I'm pretty sure it's old school. You know, we got we got some speed bags. We got all the boxing implements too. We got the lines on the ground to work the angles and stuff. Nice. It's old school, now, man. Marcelo Tigre is one of those crazy guys. Just for, for people, Marcelo Tigre is one of those crazy guys that people are worried about him following the rules. And this is when there's like two oh, yeah. fucking rules. Hey, hey, I'm not even joking, Miguel. I seen him drink. I seen him drink goat blood. Ooh. So in yeah, yeah, in 1998, man, I'll I'll, I'll uh, never forget one time. Him at that time, at that time, he was he was uh, fighting the Valetudo circuit here in Brazil, and uh, his one of his you know his main sparring partner, his main training partner was one of the guys that that had taken me in as a jujitsu uh, instructor, my jujitsu instructor black belt, Sandro Sandro Bala. So it was sort of like sparring partners at the time, but I mean sparring, yeah, right, like not like they it's not like par, proper sparring like we do now with like you know timers and like headgear and like coaches and water and a ring at the time. I was like, that's for weak people, in their man. freaking speedos tap, you know, like a mix of like open hand every once in a while, you might slip a, a freaking punch in there, you know, whatever, but like need, I, I've been needing the, like, like hardcore, like what do you, yeah. and then later I'm looking at these tapes. I'm like, that was stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> You're not, you know, like, I don't know, man. Just is funny stuff, man. Funny right stuff. Like, Tell me about the goat blood, though, quick. Goat blood. So, 
I, yeah. Anyways, I, I show up to Jiu-Jitsu one day and uh, and Marcelo's down there as well. And I see his car parked out front. At the time, he had an Opala, Preta, a black Opala. It's like an Impala, right? Opala, Impala here in Brazil. It's like a – it was a lowered Impala. He had a lowered Impala here in Brazil. He's a – Marcelo's a gangster, dude. He, <laughs> he does all sorts of nefarious shit here in Brazil. Dude's a gangster, bro. He's run for like – office here in brasilia but anyways okay so i go downstairs i saw his car out there and you know there's always lots of dudes in there and everything go downstairs and i i see everybody's over in the corner not everybody but i see a, the the main group of my instructors are over in the corner and everything and i look over and all i could see was them hunched over and i and i see marcelo taking putting his hands down and all of a sudden drinking something it was red and i come back later you know i put on my gi and i come back onto the mat and everybody's all right, you know, huddle up or, you know, get in line formation for, uh, you know, start, start running, start the, start the jujitsu training. And one of, one of my friends was like, you want some? I'm like, what, what is that? Sangi, sangi chique, sangi chicarneiro, like goat blood. And then later I was asking him about that. And he's like, yeah, you know, that was a habit I picked up in the Northeast of Brazil, in a p- impoverished uh, state of Rio Grande do Norte, where he came from. They, they, they really do that, you. you know, well, they do that when they, when, when they, when, well, when they fresh kill the, the animal, they, it, that's what he said. They just big old callus of, of, and fill it up and sort of like, like sh- shot that stuff. I'm like, man, that's, that's just not hygienic to me personally, but <laughs> I even knew that, you know, as an 18 year old. But I was fascinated, but I was, I was like, oh man, that's so hardcore. You know, I was like, that's I, like at the time me, I, well, I, I thought I was a hardcore dude. Cause I, I thought I was hardcore because I was slunking eggs at the time. I was 18. I was doing the Rocky, Rocky one, right? I was yeah. I was slunking eggs at that time. I thought I was hardcore. And I see the guy messing game. with blood. Hey, they know, like, you yeah, people, see, we're in Brazil. We're drinking ghost blood. Yeah, that's there's a lot of people that eat <laughs> raw meat. There's a lot of like raw meat, like dietary people, and they swear by it. Like I've, I got a buddy that swears by drinking like goat blood. He's, he does it every single day. All right, so – you're in Brazil in like the heyday and it's a lot different in Brazil than it is the United States. So when you enter your first tournament, November 1st, 2002 on talent challenge in Corpus Christi, did you feel like that you went into that, like into that tournament with an unfair advantage? Oh yeah, for sure, man. At that time, I'll tell you why. Cause I had showed up about two months prior, maybe not even that long at Eve's gym. And after I started training with Eve, my, my level went way up, you know? And so I, I didn't, I, I, I yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. My, I felt like I was, I was more than ready, you know? Okay. How did you get involved with Eve? Where'd you meet up with Eve? Um, well, here's a, that's a funny story in 2001, right? So I'm in Brazil at the end of the year, I had gone to Thailand at the beginning of the year. I brought back some stuff, and I got some I got some fights during the year, but I was still sort of waiting on an MMA or at the time Valetudo fight to come around. But in the meantime, I, I had seen a UFC, and I saw Eve fight Matt Sarah. And uh, and uh, so, oh, so you know, it was a really good fight. And, you know, Matt Sarah won a – I think it was a split decision or might have been a unit. I, I don't remember if they even had that criteria at the time, but it was – you know, Matt Sarah <laughs> – won a decision and, but 
uh, I liked his style. And then I saw in there, you know, it was like, where's he, you know, where you're fighting out of or whatever is the Woodlands, Texas. I'm like the Woodlands that's close to Houston. My mom at the time, you know, was living, uh, close there as well. So I was like, Hmm, you know, at the time, I had been down in, in uh, Brasilia after coming back from Thailand a second time, you know, about six months or so. And after a while, you know, you're like 19, going on 20, people are looking around like, so what are you going to do? You're going to like go to college or what are you going to do? You know, and it's like, well, I don't know, you know, but, but I think by the, after I seen uh, Eve's fight, I was like, man, I'm going to go trade with him somehow. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> It worked out to where, you know, I, I basically went up and uh, sort of uh, 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 used my mom's contacts to uh, try a community college there in, in, in close by uh, Bryan College Station, where she was a professor at A&M. So it's about an hour and a half from uh, Bryan College Station to the Woodlands. So I just drive down on, so I, 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 I rented a little spot there in Bryan and I was going to community college there trying to get into A&M and, uh, on the weekends on Friday, I would take off and go to the Woodlands and I just showed up. I called up Eve at the time. I, I checked him out on, uh, the yellow pages, man, at the time, straight up yellow pages. Didn't even have the internet. Just looked in the freaking Houston yellow pages, martial arts, so you, you, oh, you have to explain that to the kids. third column, and it said the third column or whatever, you know, sun sun. Those are names I written down on paper. Parkway, right? What's that? <laughs> those are names written down on paper. For those at kids home. watching, yeah. Right what are these yellow pages they're talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. That's how what, I what is that? A yellow what? It was yellow written pages? on paper. What? Why would they do that? Okay, sorry. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I was just saying, no, so you know, I just showed up, man. I I called him up and I asked. I asked him if there was any way, you know, that I could train. And he sh he said, oh, okay, well, sure, you know. I, you know, I'm sure he'd gotten a, that call a couple of times. And he's like, yeah, yeah. right, it's, you know, some yeah. some prank call or whatever. And then I showed up, I guess, the next day. And so – and he sparred me. He tried to, you know, see what I was about. And so – but, you know, man, he was just awesome, man. Love you to death. But that's where that started. So I just, you know, made the decision pretty much to go train with Eve because at that point – so did he get you those fights then? Uh, what fights? The talent the, uh, challenge ones? Yeah, the talent challenge. Yeah, yeah, the yeah the talent challenge. The first one, the Renegades. That's Saul Solis's promotion, right? Okay, so right. Saul Solis, he's a, Saul Solis was training Eve as well. He was holding mitts and coordinating, you know, MMA camp and all this stuff for Eve at the time at his uh, Patumwadi. Uh, Kai gym there in Houston, you know, traditional Muay Thai and MMA gym. And Saul had a bunch of big dudes and big names coming through at the time, but it was, you know, MMA was a smaller sport at the time. So I just sort of tagged along and I started training with Saul as well in the fall of 2002. And so I soaked up a lot of training. I got in lots of just incredible rounds in 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005 with Eve and Pete Spratt and a bunch of just Texas you know, That's cream of crop voice. at that time of the lightweights and welterweights of Texas. I was getting a lot of rounds with those guys. So, you know, I, it was so a good you, experience at that time. So you go through Frank Akella and Andrew Chappelle, you know, you both armbar and rear naked choke in the first round. And then like that's November 1st. And then January 5th, you're at reality fighting championships where you do another four man tournament. 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, reality fighting was uh, Jeff's. Jeff's up in Oklahoma City. Jeff started promoting. Uh, he, he, he. Uh, uh, you know, Jeff, yeah, Jeff, Jeff man, Jeff Lindsay. Exactly. He's like my older brother. You know, he sort of took me in. I was uh, 16. He saw, you know, I, I, I did a grappling tournament and uh, I think I lost to uh, Rafael Lovato and uh, in, in, in Gi Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, it wasn't really my forte. You know, I was coming from more of a judo background, but Jeff saw something in me and he was like, hey, come come train over here. And he was owner at the time of that Oklahoma City uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And they had branched off from uh, Lovato's dad. uh, uh What's his name? Daddy Lovato. But they branched off from them, and he opened up his own spot. So I went to train with him after that, uh, after I lost to Raphael and Gi Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, so, you know, Jeff and I just kept kept up in touch over the years. And, um, like, for instance, after my uh, – well, yeah, after my second time I went – or my first time, excuse me, my first time I went to Thailand. On the way back, I actually made it a point to hit a connection from Schiphol, Amsterdam, to freaking, check this out, to Quad Cities. Well, I don't think it was direct. I think it was it was LaGuardia or, you know, it was uh, JFK. But JFK to Quad Cities, where Jeff was going to pick me up, and we were going to go spar over at Pat's in, <laughs> in, uh, in, in early 2001. I mean, that's – is that a wow. bad idea or a good idea? I mean, yeah, it's a either way. Idea, Carlo. Great. Yeah, it's an awesome idea. That's an awesome idea. Let's do that. So, so you, know you know, Jeff, Jeff, I look up to Jeff a lot because Jeff, man, you look at his shirt dog, you know, and it's, I don't even know how many fights he's got, but he's got over 40. And, yeah, you know, I mean, like it's, a, it's a, he's a 500 fighter, but he's only fought yeah. hard competition. Like he's always oh, been the B side of a hometown of somebody that sold a lot of tickets. Like I, I look at Let his record and I respect him. So much heart, too much heart, too much, too much balls, man. It's like, hey, you want to go box Dewey Cooper? When? Friday. When is, you know, it's Sunday at a, at a barbecue. You're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Eight rounder. Awesome. <laughs> go, let's go box Dewey Cooper in Las Vegas on Saturday, you know, and so he goes out there and does it. I'm like, who does this, man? But he's such an OG, you know. I, I look up to him a lot, man. Family man. He's a successful businessman, you know. He's a He's just a great man. And so, right, so anyways, he, he, he had the uh, reality fighting ch- championship, which actually little people don't fight. You know, know. Uh, yeah, reality fighting, right? You, you yeah, it was one fight. Fighting it was a tournament. It's actually one fight, yes. Yeah, but I, I came back there and fought uh, one more time later. But e- either way, but uh, Carlos Condit also made his uh, start there in that his promotion at that wow. time. Wow, wow. Yeah, because – so you go from January 5th to February 1st, which is like three weeks away um, <laughs> to do another four man tournament where you fought renegade extreme fighting, where you beat uh, Jeremiah O'Neill by armbar and Lee King by guillotine. Lee King is a tough cookie, man. Like he's, he's legit, oh, pretty tough guy. And you finished. Lee both is of them such a gangster, man. Oh man. I've seen Lee take it too. I'm not going to name names be all, you know, like that, but I've seen Lee take to anybody and everybody he's ever moved around with, and, and I mean, and 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 it, you know, so far as in Texas, that's every 155 or 170 pounder, 185ers. I mean, he just he's such a he's such a technician on the feet, man. Got a, such a 
a hard style to decipher, man. He, he, he's, he was one of those guys that not, not too many people know about Lee King, but those that do are like, Oh yeah. Lee King, man. Really good. Did you, did you know when you were fighting who he was or not really then? No, I didn't know, man. Well, the first time, and then we fought yeah. later. And of course I, I, you know, I'd figured him out a little bit, but <laughs> that first time I was just like, Oh, that dude's gangly and big. And it's like, man, he's a striker, dude. I already knew he was just, just the way his body was made. And the way he was, he, you know, his walk and everything. So his gait and everything, I was already measuring him up. But, you know, such a we, – we trained. We actually lived together for years, at, you know, a couple years uh, in Houston after uh, we fought. So Lee looks like fun a stories, man. Yeah, he looks like a Viking. Like he uh, doesn't let too much bother him. And He's you know. awesome, man. He is awesome. Yeah. He's uh, – he, I'll tell you what, he's one of those dudes. He's like, you know, he's a, he's a Marley geek down. He really is, man. You know, he he just he doesn't have that. You need to be a little bit evil in the fight game, and he just doesn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. He, he, yeah. But he's just such a nice guy, man. I think I believe he lives in Arizona, and he's training fighters now. That's cool. Nice. Right. So then you go from February first to April eighteenth, two thousand three. Another four man tournament. Um, man, Adam Arredondo and. You know, Lee King again. You got Lee King with an armbar and Eric Arredondo. I think he beat him at 17 seconds by, by knockout. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he dislocated his shoulder or something. He fell badly. So that wasn't that. I, I just remember that. I remember he, 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 he received a strike of mine or something and he fell. So, and so, yeah. So you're, you're set, you're seven and oh at this point. And you're, you've got a hundred percent finish rate. Pretty good. <laughs> so, so where is your confidence at in regards to like your, your career and your trajectory? Well, I mean, honestly, I, at man, I, you know, and this is one of the things that I, you know, had I known what I know now, you know, but uh, I didn't know any better, man. I, I Look, I was looking up to guys like Ramon Deckers and just, you know, Eve, even, you know, he was my main inspiration because it was a guy I was every Monday at 10 in the morning. We're, we're in there again. We're grinding in the gym. No one's seeing it, you know. And then I'd go to his commercials at night or I'd go to Salzburg, you know, uh, I, you know, but uh, I was seeing him every day. So it was, it was somebody that was a, a real inspiration to me was a guy like Eve. And he 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 was he was so well rounded and he had so many fights as well in several styles. So. You know, and he had fought Jeff Lindsay too. So there's just a whole bunch of like, you know, inspiration that I could get just from Eve himself. But I was looking at some of these, you know, hardcore warriors at the time. And I was just sort of taking fights as they come. I didn't have any real thought process about like, you know, you've got a career and you're, you know, you're Did you have a manager? Like undefeated or anything. And, oh, man, you got to like get sponsors and this I didn't know that. I mean, I, I, I'm just, you know, I was like watching Lucia Riker and Raymond Decker's, you know, documentaries. I'm like, man, they got like 90 fights a piece. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I really didn't even, I didn't even understand how important it is to be undefeated and didn't have any real man, any real notion about the business of MMA basically, man. I was just a dumb just wanted to fight. Not, I don't want to say dumb. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because I, I for anything, I was just a warrior. Yeah. I was trying to say yes to all these fights. And basically, you know, I was just looking at Eve. It's like, 
beam me up, Scotty. You know, just like put me in there. You know what I mean? Coach, you know what I mean? We and so I was going off of time? what he was saying. Were you managed by anybody at this time? No, man. I was just – Eve was in the UFC and, you know, um, had contacts everywhere, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, I remember at the time he had a Nextel. So every once in a while, you know, get that chirp. And he'd be talking to somebody. You know what I mean, Chris? Or he'd be like, you know, oh, hey, Joe. And it's Joe Silva, right? Yeah. You know? And so I'm yeah, just I'll like sitting it. here thinking, well, you know, and I, I thought, you know, eventually it'd be my time, you know, but not right now. I'm just like, I didn't even care. I was a war dog for training. And I think if you, if you honestly, if you ask Eve to this day, who his best training partner was at, at well, at least at, at one of the times when he, when he achieved maybe his most notable success as top flight 155 pounder in the world man i gave him my all bro i you know i would i would take hard punishment from eve and i would give it back too but you know i would be there for it and i would i would let him experiment on me and then give him you know giving it back a little bit to, to you know to keep him on his toes mm -hmm. and i just think that at that point i i couldn't say no to fights uh, I was training with the, the way I looked at it, right, Chris? I was training with the best 155 pounder in the, in the world, like, you know, 100 best lightweight fighter in the world. At yeah, that time, was, it was 170, 155. What was the name of that but, little you know, boxing trainer that used to come with these? Like his corner? Lewis, Lewis Wood. Yeah. Lewis, but, Lewis uh, Wood. Very, very much. Yeah. He reminds me, I, I, I watched uh, Rose Namajunas this past weekend. Obviously, we all did, right? <laughs> And uh, she had Greg yeah. Nelson in her corner, and Lewis Wood reminds me of that kind of Greg man. Nelson. Yeah, Greg Nelson. Yeah, it was Greg, Greg, Nelson, yeah. Yeah. Greg Nelson. Right. Lewis Wood and and Greg Nelson. One's a boxer, one's a grappler, but they're cut from the same cloth. They're just guys that they're meant. Their yeah. fighters react to them in an incredible way. And Lewis Wood, I, I, yeah, I, I worried about making sure he was, you know happy not happy but then things were on the up and up because if not he would call me on my shit that's lewis wood he's guys a firefighter yeah. a houston hey, firefighter like for yeah. good news yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, so, so, no but, but from like you were saying though back then i mean i remember i was fighting ufc and for some odd reason the ufc they weren't given the 55 pounders love to be honest with you and remember one point yeah. they were like well we don't have a 55 pound title but if we did they said, "Yeah, Eve would would be our guy because I mean he was yeah, just wrecking people, man." When he well, it was the, it was that last fight, man. We had Josh a great Thompson. camp for him, man for against Josh Thompson. Oh my god, we had a great killer camp for him, man. Yeah. We did like, man, we did a lot of rounds for that. Like it was a really good was, sparring, really good on that preparation for that, man. Yeah, you I were, remember, you, you, dude, you were on that card, I think, man. I, I think I, you I got was, like fight of the night I or something. That. I remember that <laughs> knockout. I was like, damn. I ain't beating that one. That was a good one. <laughs> like, yeah, he ball yeah. right before me. I was like, damn, because he turned as he spun around to throw that back fist. He kicked him. I was like, oh, that was about as sweet as it gets, man. That was, that was a, well, here's, a beautiful knockout. Here's the thing, man. Like, people don't understand, you know, at that time, look at all the intricacies of that. Like, that's that's modern MMA to a T. They're fighting oh. hands. He Thompson was really well fighting hands. Eve, you know, had that off that scramble, a little luck to be on the back. Had a nice little, little, just little lazy gable grip there. Thompson fights hands, runs away from him like he should. Yep. And Eve just like, whoop, fucking Pokemon yeah, goes in. You know, Thompson just did everything throws right. some crazy anime shit. 
Talk you know? to the shit to the face, man. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know, like 99% of the other fighters, like even at the highest levels, would have backed up, kind of reset, and then recommitted. But like there's only like two real instances where you see like an opponent do something crazy. And, you know, like Yves like committed to it because he knew what was coming. <laughs> and it was like a split second. But like when, when Mike Brown fought Uriah Faber in the first one, when Uriah came off the cage with a spinning elbow, 99% of the other people would have just kind of backed up, reset, and then restarted again. But, you know, That's Mike true. Brown and Yves Edwards committed to it and they, they just they had no fear they committed to the exchange it was inc- it's beautiful yep. i mean that's, that's knowing it, that's what's it. coming and, and beating it to the punch you know yeah yeah, yeah also that's exactly because you're, you're you're right you bring that up he he still <laughs> backfisted him and it didn't even catch you know so he he had that awareness it you know i, I just remember at that time eve had he 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 had a really really good high kick man and i was no. you know i was coming from thailand and, you know, I had pro Thai fights and I was fighting still Muay Thai and kickboxing ma- matches in the in the south south uh, east uh, portion of Texas and then in Louisiana, Mississippi, some of those areas still. I was taking any fight that I could at the time. So I was trying to keep him sharp in kickboxing. And then he had some other guys he'd bring in. Lee King was also a guy he'd use a lot, you know, good Thai boxer, kickboxer. And so Eve, you know. He he already had his quality, technical quality as a kickboxer as it is. But at that time, he was getting a lot of looks from like, you know, Lee King's uh, Sancho, but he's also fought a lot of Thai too, but he's got that look. I had a more Thai look, but he's just getting a lot of looks from yeah. guys. He just throwing kicks, man. And and he was at that time, I think uh, Eve also had uh, knocked out somebody else in the UFC, uh, Brazilian, I believe. In, uh, on U- on a UFC televised card and face planting them, you know, he's <laughs> as a that's one of Eve's main weapons. I, I would say for many years it was at least just mixing up his kicks into his exchanges because he'd catch guys with their you know their hands just a little bit down and put that that neck kick on, right on point. Yeah, yeah, impossible yeah. takedown as well. So you fought nine times in 2003 and it was capped off December 19th. Again, in a freestyle fighting championship against Melvin Gillard. Like, to me, this was your coming out party. Like, I, when I saw that you beat him by guillotine in the first round, and, and, you know, I had met Melvin a couple times, you know, prior to this, I bought the DVD. I'm like, there's no way anyone's beating oh, Melvin no, Gillard. Man. And you got him out in the first round. Would you mind taking us through that fight? Well, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't even know who he was, but I, I, we get there that weekend and, you know, I, I, it was the first time I'd ever seen a character in MMA. You know what I mean? A point of mine wasn't like, wasn't like super respectful with his like humble fight team shirt on, you know, it's like a yin and a yang symbol and like all stoic, like, Hey, you know, Hey, good to meet you. Good to meet you. The first time I'd ever seen a guy, he had like on like Snoopy slippers and, big shades and walking out, you know, everybody's like, Oh, and he's like calling for, you know, showman as the first time I'd ever seen that. I'd ever fought someone like that. I just remember that, man. I just, I had not, you know, cause like I said, man, I don't, I, I was never, I still am not, but I mean, I was never really big into like, you know, the, the, uh, the promotion self promotion yeah. of, uh, you know, that you need to do to, you know, get a lot of people to care about your fights and stuff. But, <laughs> he did that, you know what I mean? But I just remember that, man. He was uh he was How was he afterward? 
He is great, man. Uh, Melvin's a gentleman. He really is. Uh, he he actually moved to uh, Houston later and ended up coming to train with us, man, at Saul's. And uh, and he came out and he would train with Eve a couple of times. I believe we all we all did rounds. So there was a time he moved to Houston. This after Katrina um, is w- when that happened because it, you know that after Katrina, man, New Orleans was in bad shape. Was yeah, for for a, at least a couple of years, I remember it messed things up a, a little bit over there. But and then so Houston, a lot of people came to Houston during that time, you know. And uh, Melvin actually came out and he he uh, he started training with Saul at uh, the Pearland Gym, and he 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 was fighting in the UFC at that, that time. Uh, Melvin was when he came to Houston to start living, doing his camps and stuff. So hey, so your next good. Uh, Carlo, Mike was trying to ask you about management and stuff like that, and. I have a recollection of oh, yeah. you coming to fights like with your dad as your corner man. Am I way off or is, is that <laughs> was that going on there? Yeah, too? there was a couple my dad's awesome, man. My you know, my yeah, dad's a, a man of my dad's hilarious because you know he's a he's a Christian missionary. So, you know That's cool. it's not your run of the mill, you know, fight fan. You know what I mean? He's uh he's very tempered and you know, very stoic and uh but he's, he's very, very respectful, but you know, he's very powerful presence, you know, and I'll tell you what, when he prays in your, when he, uh, when he prays in your corner as you know, as good for that corner that night, <laughs> I can say that he's got, he's got, he's got power in his, uh, in his prayers. That's for sure. But yeah. My, my dad came out for a couple fights, but he wasn't able to go to too many though, because he was usually, uh, he, he lives in Brazil, uh, in Brasilia here in the same city as me uh, to this to this day so he couldn't come to too many but i remember he came to one of yours uh miguel he went to with me to atlantic city i think twice for okay. your shows yeah, that's why that's or, why or once that. i know i remember once i think it was a Derek noble fight i fought for you that he was out there oh, cool, yeah. so he he oh. loved it man he loved the eastern seaboard dude he, he was into it man. <laughs> the boardwalk well, do, me, do me a favor. I'm gonna hand it off to Mike again, and, and we'll get to the Derek Noble fight. But say hi to your dad for me, and give him a hug. We'll do. All it, right. Man. So, so your next bout is a kickboxing. So, like you're you're ten and zero in MMA. What made you jump into like? A, and, and Chris, it's a rematch with Melvin Gillard as well. <laughs> kickboxing, which you know when you got two high end MMA guys, and Rich Clemente is in the tournament as well. It, yeah, it just, yeah. Rich was in there. It, it kind of reeks of well, somebody forgot their medicals. Everyone agreed to do a kickboxing bout. But yeah, that's what it sounds like. Basically, <laughs> yeah, right, man. I, that's one of those deals where I was in, I was in camp. I think uh, I was helping Eve had something coming up, and you know, but I was, you know, we're, we're training every day, man. In Houston, it was great because I lived at the time. I was, I was uh, splitting an apartment with uh, Lee King and Randy Howard at the time, and. Those two guys also are pro fighters. And so we just go train, you know, and then come back and eat. And then I'd go to class. I was taking like nine semester hours, you know, very light semesters at the time. <laughs> and yeah, man, just like such a bum, right? Such a fight bum, you know, I, I should have just gone all in is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, at the time, man, it was, it was such a, it was a good experience, man. We just trained twice a day, basically. Like Monday through Saturday, and then there was fights every once in a while. We travel for fights, and but it's a good life. Yeah, leaking, man. Yeah, it was a good life. We, we had lots of rounds, but lots of you know getting together and eating and barbecuing and stuff all, all the time. Okay, nice. so you fight Alan Woods. It's your first time ever going to a decision. 
I, I'm assuming it was incredibly tiring for you because you, you've never done that up until this point. And then you run into Melvin Gillard and you lose to him. Yeah. In, uh, in, in, yeah. in the kickboxing match. Um, and, and I lost the decision and then he went on and he fought rich in the finals that night. Okay. Um, that's, that's that was, uh, about. yeah. The Kings, uh, kickboxing. I remember that now the, uh, Rob, uh, Rob Braniff and, uh, Lee Coates from FFC. Those two, two cool dudes. They, they used to promote, uh, FFC. So Melvin and Rich Clementi, how heated was it at weigh-ins or, or pri- you know, pre-fight? Because those two hate each other. You know, I, I didn't even know they hated each other until – I mean, I don't even – you know, and here's the thing, man. I just showed up, and I was always <laughs> one of the most drama-free dudes, man, yeah. straight up. I was sort of autistic. I just show up, go to weigh-ins. <laughs> like, I, I had nothing else to do in my mind. It was just like, oh, okay <laughs> – and then, like, sign here, Carlo. Like, oh, okay, sign. All right, can when do I come back? Tomorrow. Okay, bye. Okay. And I go yeah. eat and go rest, you know. But I, I, I did notice that, you know, wherever Melvin went, something was going to happen because I'd seen a couple other, you know, in the crowd moments that where Melvin had been in the, you know, in the vicinity. It was like, you know, that's that's Melvin, man. And Rich is cool, man. Melvin, cool. Rich, cool. They're all cool. They're all cool cats. Those Louisiana dudes are cool. Yeah, I was. Uh, I would have liked to see the backstage footage. You know, the the way in footage and the post fight footage because you know, Melvin <laughs> yeah. and Clemente, they're like boiling water, man. Who won like, the fight? You know, you, Who won the you, fight? You brought that up. You brought that up. Uh, I think uh, uh, Chris uh, Rich, Rich, Rich won. Clemente. He uh, flying okay. need him. Flying need him. Ooh. Yeah, it was it was I, I remember that. You you know, Mike started hitting on that Kings. I remember that now, the whole thing. But I remember now the 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 warm up area. It was a bathroom, dude. Oh, I hated I that. It. It it should be. Of course. You know what I mean? Be. All the dudes in there and you're taping and then you hear the flushing. Yeah. And then taping the and you pads. <laughs> like, what's going on, man? Fighting in a VFW in Ocean yeah, City. So- Mississippi, you know, like what are you doing, dude? So was it was it from that was it from that fight from Melvin getting knocked out? Was that when they fought in the UFC? There was some bad blood there. Was that based on that? You think, or was it before that? That man, I don't know, man. That's Louisiana drama. You know what I mean? I just know <laughs> they like, didn't like um, each other when they fought in the UFC. I remember because well, I know that you know Melvin was one of Joe Ancona's guys, and him and Pat Barry they were real tight because that was you know. Pat Barry was always with him when I fought Melvin and, and, but anyways, uh, Melvin and, and them are Pat Barry and Joe and Kona guys. They're New Orleans proper, you know, sort of French quarter, all that Crescent, actual Crescent city, uh, rich Kalani Slidell, which is, you know, like Northern rim suburb sort. So I don't know. It's maybe a that, you rivalry right there, Chris. Ooh, <laughs> Something ooh. I know nothing about. You know? No. Ooh, I, don't, I don't either, man. I stay out of it. I just like, you know what? Y'all have fun, man. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I could, uh, the only thing I, I, I've talked to Rich about that rivalry a little bit, and I can tell you, Rich is a pretty sophisticated fighter, too. And I, I think Rich was never impressed by Melvin. He, he always thought, that the show was bigger than the backup, and he was there. He was one of those guys who just looked at him with disdain, at least in my yeah. dealings with him. So, yeah, okay, I, I agree with that. Dude, and, and, you know, he was pretty vocal about it. 
Man, Rich was top flight. You know, yeah. Rich, people don't understand, you know, because Rich might, might, I don't know, maybe Rich is sort of the category I p sort of mentally put myself, you know. Mm -hmm. Like he could have beaten all those guys that beat him and he could have beat them all, you know what I mean? But I don't know. But I, I, I've i moved around with Rich a little bit one, a couple times. I think we at a seminar I did uh, at, uh, in uh, Baton Rouge at uh, Tim Crater's. And he was there. We moved around a bit, man. He's technical, dude. He's really good. Oh, man. Yeah. He's, he's not just like, yeah, he, yeah, right. I mean, he, he's not just like, obviously, he's a tough guy. You know, I mean, old school UFC fighter. I'm saying, aside from being a tough guy, he's a technician, really technical. Yeah. Real good technique. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So, in essence, what happens is you, you taste your first loss with Melvin Gillard in that fight. And then February 27th, which is like less than a month, uh, 2004, you go to Fort Lauderdale and you get into the absolute fighting championship where you fight uh, uh, Sauli uh, Hilimo. You're in his backyard. He's ATT and you wind up with a draw. So what is your opinion on that fight? <laughs> oh, that was, you know, that I remember that AFC, uh, the the Dan, uh, they were doing the AFC at the time, ATT, they were doing the AFC to get their guys fights, to get them, yep. to get them, oh, yeah. to get them, you know what I mean? Get them, get them uh, that look so they could go on the UFC. And, uh, you know, Eve had the hook up there and got me those fights out there in AFC. But I remember I hated that fight because it was two rounds. Yeah, and, you know, and he like, came in from Finland, too. Like I see, he's ATT. Like, of course you're going to get a draw, you know? Like, <laughs> if you yeah. went around, I went around, draw. You know, you're like, of course it's going to get a draw, man. You know, it's just weird. But yeah. it's one of those yeah. things, man. So then, like, all right, so you take a loss in kickboxing. That doesn't really count. You take a draw. And then you fight Drew Fickett on April 17th on uh, Rage oh, yeah. River. Yeah. And that's that's the first time you ever got finished. Yep, yep. I remember that fight. I'll never forget that fight because, you know, that was one of the things I consider myself uh, expert at guillotines. And he caught me with a guillotine. But I, I had, man, I had, I, I cut him up good, man. I cut him up so good. We were on the Indian reservation out there in um, Redding in uh, Northern California at the time. And uh, I just remember the, 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 uh, the, the commission afterwards i remember that yeah saul was telling me man a commission they weren't going to let him go but but fucking drew's a savage man he just kept going but i cut him bad man on, on like a, a knee and some a kick or something something caught flush but he just gushing man and he was able to tap me last 30 seconds man tough dude man uh. drew fickett really, really tough man he, he's you know underestimate him at your own peril sort of tough guy you know what i'm saying I remember Josh, I just Josh really – what's that? Sorry, Chris. I was going to say, no, you find I was saying Josh Koshek beat him up for about 14 minutes, and then he got – doesn't him, quit. Koshek shot at him exactly. and knocked his ass out. He was like, whoa. Remember? So, yeah, he slept exactly. out for one second. That was it. No, just Chris, like – really good, really good, really good Hail Mary fighter, man. And yeah, another thing – right? And then another thing – is is I I because that really frustrated me. It was my it was my move, right? You know that first time you're, you're yeah, as a fighter, you're you're beaten with your thing. You know, like oh, I'm a left hook, and then you you know you get dropped <laughs> to the left hook or whatever. But it was my thing, man, a guillotine, and I just 
man, that fucked with me, man, for a little bit. I was like, man, what did he do? How did he do it? And this and that. And I, I remember uh, chatting with Mark Lehman afterwards because uh, he ran my corner because I went out there on my own because Saul was doing the the uh, the I think Saul was the it was it was like some it was like some some the Lupo brothers or some some like California dudes out there putting on a show and that's, they wanted a dude to run the show. And so Saul was that guy. So he's like, Hey, I got your fight. So I went out there, but I didn't really have a corner. So I remember Mark Lehman at that time ran my corner and I didn't even know him. And he, well, I said, I did know him. I had met him before I'd gone out there at a uh, Cobra Kai back in the day at the, at the, you know, in Vegas, uh, went to lose weight a couple of times, uh, with, uh, Eve and hit pads with Saul over at his gym. So that's where I knew him. So he did run my corner at that time, but I remember picking his brain about that after I'm like, I'm all like asking Mark Lehman. I'm like, what did he do? And I watched, I watched the tape later at some point. I don't have that tape, but I remember watching it later at Saul's and it wasn't anything. It wasn't like some crazy <laughs> technique. He just, he jumped guard with a, 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 a try with a guillotine. It's like, no, nothing behind it, Carlo. You know, I don't need to <laughs> mystify it. Wow. Fick it's a pretty good little fighter, too, as you guys gave him credit. And, you know, a guy, unfortunately, you know, I, I hope he's all right because he, he was also a guy who fought some demons. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bro, man, let me tell you, man. Oh, Fick it. We, we, we roomed together in 2012 when I, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I went and uh, did a camp at an ATT. And we roomed there for like a month before, like, he like took off. He went somewhere else, right? But dude, it was oh my god, that was fun, man. That was <laughs> that guy's. He's but he's intense, can... man. He lives life. You know what I'm saying? He lives life to the fullest. I don't even know if that's that's the best way to say it, but that's <laughs> respect, Drew. <laughs> Give us a peek into that experience. How was he as a roommate? Oh man, he's just uh. Well, you know, I'll, t I'll tell you why. I, you know, I don't care. I mean, we're, we're all adults and grown up and everything, but we got some beers, right? So, oh, here's the main thing. There was going to be this hurricane coming through. I remember going to Bloqueo, which is a sparring at ATT, I think on Wednesday or something. And I remember on the way there, it was all cloudy and stuff. And, you know, on the news, I had heard something about, oh, you know, and there's this system coming through. And so there's going to be a hurricane coming through, right? And so it's like, oh, well, you know, over the next, you know, three, four days, stock up and everything. So I, I get, I go with him and we go to Costco and uh, Jason Chambers was my manager at the time. Okay. Super dude, really nice bro. Awesome guy. Uh, let me use his uh, – his uh his beamer he at the time he's all baller you know international international athlete he's hollywood uh, man that guy's hollywood yeah international athlete uh 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 excuse me manager and all this shit it's like you know so he gives me the car the keys and i go with thicket to go get some freaking groceries right because there's supposed to be this hurricane i didn't know any better on wednesday or thursday we're going out there it's like hey let's get some beers i'm like all right cool so i got some beers you know my fights, I'm, you know, I'm still eight weeks off, if not more. I think I, I think I, I, I got out there about 10 weeks, a little less than two, uh, three months to train for, for that, that fight. And so it was at the beginning. I was like, ah, whatever. So we got some beers. Well, I think we got like a 30 pack of like some bush or something crazy, you know, just <laughs> something really cheap. 
Well, long, long story short, I, you know, I we go back to the house and um, I, I think I went out and I went did the PM training. And when I came back, there's shit strewn all throughout the house. I'm like, music's cranked up. I heard it on the way out, uh, uh, coming into the house. Um, I, I remember the setup at the time, J, uh, Jason uh, Chambers, he had had this house in the same subdivision uh, of Fort Lauderdale that we were, that him and I, uh, that he had set, that he had set me up with to not be over at the ATT hotel. Jason Chambers was like, oh, you just stay out with me. You don't want to stay over there because it's, 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 it's a little uncomfortable and this and that. Come out to Fort Lauderdale. I got you this Airbnb. Well, I don't think it was even an Airbnb. At the, it was Craigslist. Excuse me. It was 2012. <laughs> it wasn't even an Airbnb. Anyways, he's like, yeah, you stay out there. I go out there and Drew's out there. So anyways, we're, we're – okay, so back to the store. We're here about 10 days. Two weeks later, there's a hurricane coming through. We're at the store. Bought all that stuff, right? Bought all the groceries, some beers. Came back. I went to the training. I went to PM training. When I come back, there's music. I, I turn the key, go in the door. The, the owner of the house had said him and his girl were going to take off over that week. And so Drew and I pretty much had the, the house to ourselves or whatever. I go in the house. There's like some blaring sound. I don't remember what kind of music it was. I go in White there, snake. shit strewn everywhere. I'm like, pick it. I'm like, Drew. I'm like, you know, yelling for him. Anybody home? And he comes out in his wrestling singlet with like a towel wrapped around his head. And he's like, brother. And like <laughs> fucking blitzed, man. He had like a, 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 just a look in his eye. And I was like, what's up, bro? You know, I had no idea what's going on. I was like, what's up? What are you doing there, guy? You know, looking at him, shit strewn everywhere. At this time, I didn't know, you know, that 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 could happen uh, you know more and more and that was something that could happen with when drew fickett's around i didn't know that so i go i remember going back into my room there was two rooms and then then a kitchen and then the the the, the owner of the house is sweet i go off into my room and i go to, i go text up jason i'm like jason drew's fucking i think he's drunk man i i went and opened up the the fridge there there was no beers He's like, hey, he's like, Brader, let's train. It's like 8.30 at night. I got back from ATT's PM, like, <laughs> cocktail pads or something. I'm just like, nah, let's train. Let's wrestle in the living room. I'm like, you know, what are you doing, man? What have I got myself into? I, I came out here to get this my. This is going to be my third fight in the UFC. You know, I'm like. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I come, I come off a, a, a fucked up first fight where it was like a, a DQ and it looks like I, you know, took the loss. I bitched out, whatever. I come back, I fight the first, I always say yes. First guy to give me, I take a decision. You go, you're going to get another fight. You better win all at all costs. I take my manager's advice. I'm like, I want to go to ATT where people go to get, you know, results or whatever, you know, and, First thing I know, man, I'm, I'm, I, 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 you know, I'm like, man, I, I got to deal with this. So that happened a couple times. So let's just, let's just leave it like that, Mike. That happened a couple times or that's not all that happened, but I mean, there were a couple times where I, I seen some funny episodes, man, you know, stuff being broken, assuming, shit being thrown. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming kind of like like if you watch the Coneheads movie and how they drink beers, I'm assuming you open up all 30 beers and just dumped it right <laughs> over his head because that guy, man, holy Smashing cow. them. Yeah. yeah fucking yeah, can yeah, smash yeah. in the whole thing, man. So you lose to Drew Fick. <laughs> you know, not, not an easy loss, obviously. You know, it's kind of yeah. in the back of your head. And, yeah. you know, your next fight is a 9-0 Spencer Frischer. Yeah, I remember. Uh, like, like you you remember, keep taking harder fights at this point. Well, because um, that's what I'm trying to say. That's the way I'm sure Chris this way. That's the way we were. That's what fighters are. That's what I mean. You're not going. It's like you, you're not going to. You're not going to have that outlook on your career until you're. At, at now things are at the point where. These kids coming up, they're 17, 18. They're already looking at professionalizing. They're already had six, seven amateur MMA <coughs> fights and maybe 10 years of grappling training and tight training and all this stuff. It's crazy. Man, we didn't have that. So we just were like, I honestly, my thought process was, so I just lost to, to Drew. I'm going to beat Spencer and then beat, you know, so yeah. it wasn't even about, you know, uh, you know, I lose one, so I got to win three to get back over it. It was just one of the things like Joe Silva used to tell Eve, you're only as good as your last fight or whatever, right? Yeah. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, if you lost, the next one you got to win. So that was sort of the the thought about now, it. But Carlo, at the same token, I mean, I know myself, and I bet you were this way too. It's just like uh, I always tell these guys, in a way, you have to be really delusional in a way to be good. I don't have a very short memory. You have to be able to get For beat sure, right man. away and be like, I'm going to be the next guy, no problem. You know, and you have to believe, in my opinion, that you can beat anybody in the world or how the hell are you going to fight anybody? I had a problem. I couldn't say no to any fight they ever offered me. I just felt like I'm the best guy in the world. If I say no, then that would mess up my confidence. I mean, I never felt like I couldn't yeah. fight anybody. So I never like picked and choose or said I can't fight this guy. You had yeah, to we say noticed. Yes to everybody in a way. You know what I mean? That was my thought process. Yeah. Like you say, they don't do that. You fought everybody. Man. I think we were. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Well, I remember your your career, hell, and, and most of your fights in UFC were like on short notice, right? I mean, yeah, I'm I thinking mean, that's you never you knew several that were you were the I replacement or whatever. Anything. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't say no to any fight ever. <laughs> ever. So, Carlo, that Spencer Fisher fight is not anywhere. Like I searched everywhere for that fight, and I know you want a decision against him. Um, yeah, yeah. Would you mind bringing us through that? Because that fight actually is, is of interest to me in particularly. Yeah, I remember that fight quite well, actually. I mean, I just remember that uh, I, before that fight, I had uh, I had been a little bit immature and not a little bit, you know, it's something that you look back on years later and you're not even years later. I was when it happened, I was already, you know, sad about it. I, I you know, I should have handled it better. But uh, maybe two weeks before that, I was uh, uh, Eve and I am, um, and Rocky, uh, and Tim Crater went up to, um, uh, Massachusetts for, uh, I forget the name of the promotion at the time, but it was, a, it was a pretty big promotion at the time. I remember it was in a basketball arena there in, uh, I think it was mass destruction. You fought mass destruction. Mass destruction, right? Yeah. Something like that. But <clears throat> I, I ended up there. I was going to fight, uh, Ray Elby, Ray Elby. I was going to fight. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to fight him, him. And I get there and I don't know, I forget what it was exactly, but the commission lady didn't like, like, I don't know. I don't even remember because seriously, it's been 15 years. So I really don't remember, but 
the commissioning lady and I got into it and, you know, I, uh, she basically said, you know, forget about it. You're off the card and like cut me from the card. It was, it was a bad deal. I, I it, you know, it didn't go too well on me at that point. You know, I'm 20, I think I'm 21, 22, but you know, it wasn't a very good look, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, but you're <laughs> not that mature. guy. You're not that you know, guy. You're, oh, you know, don't, you know, don't be, th oh, I get it. Thug jitsu, you know, but I, I don't ever wanted, I never had wanted to come off as being, you know, uncivil or I, I don't even remember what it was, but long story short, I didn't get to fight. So Eve was like, all right, uh, got me the, a fight. So like, I think maybe two weeks later, I just remember that after that fight, Tim won quick and uh, Rocky won, I think, or did he lose? I forget, but Rocky fought an ATT guy. He lost. Anyways, we go back to the hotel and I run the flights of stairs that night because I didn't fight. So I'm all amped up. And, but I remember Eve uh, got me that Spencer Fisher fight after that. So basically what I'm trying to say is I had not fought and sort of effed myself, you know, and, uh, and so ended up just sort of like using that as motivation for the next couple of weeks and then like turned that on to Spencer pretty much. Okay. But I remember that, um, you know, is it, it, we traded and then we'd clinch and I'd throw him and I'd end up on top and I tried some subs, but he was slick and it was just like that. It was a, a, a three, five minute uh, decision at that time. The titles weren't five fives yet, but so it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a spectacular fight or anything, but I, I I'm, I'm sure if you find it out there, it'd pretty, pretty, be pretty cool, but you know, nothing spectacular. Yeah, yeah, Spencer's would, very rarely in a fight. That's just like, okay you know it's usually uh, pretty exciting <laughs> yeah you know he likes to trade i noticed that right off the bat i mean he was throwing hands on me and i was throwing back but you know at, at that at that time man it was like i i felt that such an advantage over these guys because they're just thinking and sort of like i'm gonna box oh he kicked me i must kick back then i'm gonna box again i'm 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 combining you know what i mean and uh, well, at least on the feet, I I was seeing it that way. So I was sort of like, I don't know. I was just, <clears throat> I was, I was, I never really felt too much uh, threat on the feet, you know, in MMA mm -hmm. um, until later on in, 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 you know, in the career and you get some better, you know, more, you know, uh, different fighters. But at that point, man, I was, it's like, oh, we'll trade, clinch up, go to the ground. But it was, it was a good fight, man. Spencer's okay. really tough fighter. So, so Chris, that that was his uh, his seventh fight of two thousand four, and you know you're looking at May, so now he goes September eleventh two thousand four, and his eighth <laughs> fight is against Carlos Condit. Ooh, boom! Uh, who is talking you into these? Me. See, that's the thing. I didn't understand. See, you. I didn't know. I didn't know. You that. couldn't say no. Let's say just say. I mean, here's the thing, man. Think of. All the grief I've caused myself over the, the years, looking at the guys on Saturdays when I'm down here in Brazil and they're they're on the screen fighting and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, that should have been me. You know, it's yeah. like Ugh, that's brutal, you know, but but, uh, you know, I, I'm not the only, you know, the only fighter that's out there like that, you know, but that just goes to show, you know, I mean, everybody's <laughs> mortal. You know, you can. You can do anything you put your mind to. Shit, even beat those guys that are on TV fighting, you know, for titles or whatever. But, 
Yeah, th- that was a good year, man. He, look, I, I'll, I'll straight say it like this. I prefer to fight more. If you're going to be a pro fighter, you need to fight. You can't just like, oh, take a year off. That's for yeah. what the UFC is doing now. All right? <laughs> Different. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's not, that's not, I don't know, man. It's just everything's well, changed, I, I, man. I'll be it's honest all, with you, the, 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 the new fighters, they not that they're not technically better, not that they don't train better, not that they're not more athletic, but there's a different level of mentality and, and grittiness that they just don't have, in my opinion. Like you said, if I – Absolutely, Chris. We, we, like, shit, I remember fighting eight times in a year, too, what you're talking about. I mean, that, that'd be unheard of. These guys like, oh, I have to give my body proper rest. Like, proper rest? You know, I don't know what you're talking about. We did fight – I remember fighting eight, five times in one month once. An eight-man tournament, two other fights. You know, it's just like, I don't know. They, they, they got more, but something's been lost in my opinion. You know, the thing is, is uh, like, you know, that, that's your eighth fight, and it's all murderers. You beat Carlo, uh, Carlos Condit with a triangle in the first round. And, like, instead of, like, sitting back and relaxing, and, you know, let's, let's, let's kind of, like, properly frame it. At that time, Chris, how many UFCs were there a year? Five or six, probably. I don't so, know. yeah, there's one every weekend now. You know, I mean, they're doing 40 events a year. So it was kind of different. And, like, the mentality of, of who's real and who isn't, uh, you know, there was a pretty big gap in between them. Yeah, it was pretty easy to kind of figure out who the real deal was at that time, you know, just based on their track record. You know, and then – Here's the thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Carol. I apologize. No, go ahead. Sorry, Mike. I didn't want to break you off. Sorry, bro. Your nice fight. Of 2004, who is it? Come on, I bro. don't. I don't. You fought him three my, times. Serious, man. You fought him three times. Oh, Fickett? Nope. No, uh, uh, Wisniewski. That's it. Keith Wisniewski. <laughs> Keith Wisniewski. That, that's oh, that's dude. one of our buddies, man. That's honestly. That gave me fits, buddies. man. That dude gave me fits, bro. He, I can so, get him, get him off me in the first couple yeah. fights, man. <laughs> He's you a good like, dude, man. Him and his brother, Justin. When you look at him, he doesn't look like the fighter type. And when you talk to him, it just seems like he's just a real good guy. Dude, and see, that's uh, – Chris, and, and Chris is one of these guys too. I love the the 2000-era MMA dudes because oh, yeah. they're just like real dudes, you know, like everybody across the board. The mid, You know, like Chris, a Midwest dude, and they're all real. Even the California dudes in that in that era were real, you know. Yeah. Uh uh, the 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 you know the so Florida weird, guys dude. at that time everybody was real East Coast guys in the Northeast were real everybody was real you know what I mean is uh, real fighters real gritty fighters just like show up no frill no real trash talking you know we're gonna fight so <laughs> don't need to you know do all this crazy TMZ stuff but the, <laughs> the throwback guys man you know. Okay, and the Wisniewskis so, are like that, man. Keith oh, yeah. and uh, Justin, there's some hard notes. They look like, you know, you know, accountants or something. Well, Keith looks more <laughs> more, uh, more administrative than Justin does. <laughs> Justin's got a little got a little limp to him. You know, he, he looks a little more, la- you know, a little more manually labor, you know, Justin <laughs> does. But they're the, they're the toughest dudes, man, and nicest oh. guys too, man. So let, let's talk about that fight. So we had Keith on a couple weeks ago. And, you know, oh, shit. <laughs> we're all like personal friends with Keith Wisniewski. Like, I mean, just, you know, for full disclosure. So Keith yeah. had said that there was, it was, there was a little bit of hometown cooking in that fight. He said it was an absolute war. And then in the third round, 
he's like, you know, in the, in I, the I third fight, no, there's hometown. <laughs> he, he, this is let me, let me bring it through it, so I, I don't want to misquote. He's like, I had him, I was on top of him, I was I was dominating the fight. He's like, and then with like 15 seconds left, he hits me with an elbow, and my nose goes to the other side of my face. And he said the referee was kind of being, uh, you know, kind of generous. Like he was, you know, he, he stopped the punching in a third with Keith in top position because after you hit him with the elbow, he reversed you. And then the round ends and the referee stopped the fight like two seconds before. Like he tells Keith to get up the round ends and the doctor looked at it and the referee's trying to call the fight off and give it to you, even though the fight had already ended. Is he off? On I, 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 I mean, honestly, I would have to see the tape. Uh, you know, I just remember, man, I, you know, it was at that point, it was a, I had asked for that fight. I was like, you know, what made you I, ask I want to fight him again. But it was, it's just because like certain people, and I'm like this to this day, man. And I've been saying it for years, but I'd love to have a, a third Carlos Condit fight. I know that no one gives a fuck anymore. I understand this, okay? <laughs> Who am I? Yeah, yeah, Carlo, blah, blah, blah. I get it, but <laughs> I would love it, man. I still fight 170 pounds. I'm coming off a win. Check my shirt, dog. There we go. But anyways, that you know you know how it is, Chris. There's just some oh, guys you would like to fight again just because it's not even you don't like them. You It's not you don't dis, dislike them. You you If anything, you know, you admire them because they, they beat you, so you want to fight them again because you, yeah. you it's more with me, you know. I, I don't I don't dislike uh, Keith or Carlos or any of these guys that I fought, you know, once or twice or three times, but I would definitely like to fight the guys that beat me. I'd like to fight them again for sure. If Absolutely, they beat me, I'm yeah. Yeah, yeah, Keith, so, had, but, yeah. Keith has like a weird look at fighting. Like it's much different than anybody else that we've interviewed up until this point. And it's like, well, I don't really look at it as a fight. It's more of like an athletic competition. And, you know, you just got to try to beat the guy in athletic competition and, you know, all that, like, trash talk it's really not necessary you know it's just so <laughs> such an interesting guy man he really is respect, i love you man you know respect yeah. but you know I he's see. a soft killer too man he's 100%. he's he's greedy man no he's, for he's sure. greedy and I, I he, he, he might he might talk that way but i i remember you know he, he might talk that way like he's all oh, but he, he locks the cage and he you know, he, there's no backing down. He's a tough dude, super tough man. You know, I saw him in a fight once <laughs> up in a, uh, it was a Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he fought a guy for about thirty minutes, thirty-one minutes straight, I think. T.J. I mean, Fernandez. T.J. Fernandez. That was a brutal yeah. fight. Man. I was like, they both went to the hospital afterwards. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, keep Love like it. back back in the day, <laughs> he had like real thick glasses, and he'd yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, just like he, he was he, there, but. <laughs> Yeah, he fight with like a welder, right? It was like one of the handsome brothers. It was like one of the handsome brothers from Slapshot. You'd be like, "Ah, oh, he's exactly. a dorky guy," and they'd be like, "Man, he's a murderer." Yeah, I know. Like, I don't want to fight that guy. He'd be reading. He'd be reading like you know, Grapes of Wrath or something like that before the <laughs> yeah. bout. You know, playing chess. Like, he's yeah. Just... Put his, oh no, let me put my book down, and then you go out there, take his, like Clark Kent, take his glasses off and beat somebody up, and go back and read his book. Ugh. Just a yeah. phenomenal human being. Man. So. Yeah, he I just I just remember when uh when when he beat me those two times, what pissed me off was, most was yeah September fourteenth. Justin would show up. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm talking over you, man. Sorry about yeah. that. So September fourteenth, two thousand five, was the rematch. I apologize. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I just remember the two times that I fought him. What made me most intrigued me the most. I'm like, 
he doesn't have well the two the 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 two times the two before losses. that you know and, yeah the two losses before that made me want to one day fight him at least one more time before I die. But it's like he didn't even have a real team. It was just his brother, <laughs> and they were just like chewing gum and just like I had Eve, and we're doing all this stuff. You know, we're like measuring meals, and you know, I had this system for cutting weight, and everything was just so. I was going off of what Eve was doing, and he was doing hey, the, the top line stuff, right? Top <laughs> top flight UFC stuff, right? And I, you know, and 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 Keith and Justin show up, and they're just oh, he shows up in a brown leather jacket, and just like oh, when oh here, okay, he takes off. He's got his he's got his boxers on. He's just like he didn't even flex. After, you know, he's just like so low key, and he was able to beat me. And, and, and afterwards, I was just like, how, man? He was just so gritty. You know, he could, he, could take, he could take my shots and keep pressuring me and keep taking me down off little trips and stuff and stayed on top. And he's just a really grindy, gritty, just gritty a grinder, fighter. Man. Man. Yeah. Perfect and he didn't look like it, you know? No. Like, yeah. Chris looks like a fighter, right? You look at Chris and you're like, yeah, he, he could throw some punches. Yeah, that's a fighter. You know what I mean? But, like, even like, like, yeah. like Keith. Keith is just like <laughs> – just like sort of like scratching his head, sort of, you know what I mean? I don't know well, your how he is now. But I got you. Were your teammates going, you're fighting dude. that guy? Were they, yeah, were, they talking, <laughs> were they throwing the cables on you? Well, he's a, he, you mentioned you were asking. He is, he is with the Iron Union, and he's probably about 220 right now. And that's probably oh, shit. Worker you don't want to mess with, man. I don't know. That's a big Oh, hell no. Right <laughs> So, uh, the Polish connection, right? <laughs> so you lose twice against Keith. And then like two years later, September 1st, 2007, you somehow get a third match with him. How are you able to get so many, like to convince the promoters to put you in front of the same guy three times? And it's in neither of your hometowns. Oh, man. Dude, I, got, I lucked out on that big time, right, Mike? Because, you know, once again, that just goes to show you in this game, man, like, it's, it's more, it's more who, you know, than what, you know, you know, and I, 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 you know, I was aligned with Saul Solis and Eve Edwards. And I had that, I, I had a, I had a following in Texas and Oklahoma, but more in, 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 you know, in Texas. And so when art of war came through and they were, they were owned by sun sports and which was at the time, like they owned like, like, professional sport properties and stuff. So, you know, people are like, Oh, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be around for a while, you know? And, uh, I remember Chris, the IFL and remember Miguel, Mike, uh, the IFL this time, people are looking for competitors for the UFC. And I remember this art of war coming through and I, I fought on their first one. It was cool. It was a good card, really yeah. well done. They, they were going to do that. The, this USA versus Brazil card on pay-per-view and, I don't even remember who got me that fight, but I think it was, uh, you know, Saul and Saul and Guy Mesger and those guys from Texas that, yeah. you know, had, had, you know, that I've known for years. So they just sort of like, you know, had me on. So, so how many times did you ask for that fight prior? <laughs> Man, after the second loss, right. Yeah. I, it, you know, I asked Lee Coates and Rob Braniff specifically for that fight. And so they did this, uh, Fiesta Las Vegas FFC in at the Hard Rock Hotel in 2000 and uh, well, whenever that fight was, I don't even remember the year. The the, the, the FFC, the second one, yeah, five 2005. 
Okay. So, but they, yeah. So I remember no one had really done Vegas as UFCville. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, don't come to fucking Vegas. Are you crazy? And, 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 and they came, but they had said, no, we're good with Dana and, you know, and the brothers, you know, the Fertitas. And he's like, no, they're, they're cool. They're, they're letting us do our thing or whatever. But so <laughs> I had asked them, I'm like, man, let me fight Keith. Let me fight Keith. Let me. So they put me, main event, on the freaking, you know, the, the FFC in Vegas, and I lose again. You know, like, uh, what do you want, kid? You know, like, <laughs> you asked for it, and you can't even beat him again. You asked for it. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was uh, that's how that went. That second fight went for sure, man. Yeah, and the third fight was a split decision. I might add, like, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one you were saying about where elbowed him at the end or whatever. I thought that was your first fight. He said he had mentioned. Oh, the, man! Honestly, that guy. I, I I put something on him, man. You know, I, I hit him with a lot of shots, man. So I really don't. I, I wouldn't even know. I, I I remember him bleeding in just about every fight we had. So I, I wouldn't know <laughs> yes. which one it was. Yes, he definitely did that. So November. <laughs> you know 5th, what I mean? Yeah, November 5th, uh, 2005, you finally jump on Miguel Arate's radar. You fight on uh, Euphoria 5. Now, USA wait a minute. Hold Japan. on, hold on. Let me clear something up here. <laughs> I, I was a matchmaker for his Saudi Inmo fight. And for which one? For Saudi Inmo, Inmo, the Finnish fighter. The and he also AFC. Fought, yeah, and he also fought Efren Ruiz for me in Florida earlier in the career. Come on, Mike. Yes. So, yeah, so, sorry, Chris. <laughs> like Carlo been on my radar, and he's right. It's it's because I, I think of him as uh, like Tim Croyder, like Rocky Long, who he's mentioned. These are all guys that came on Eve Edwards' coattail. Okay, so sure. if I Pat Healy, who I might add, I mean Chris, if I may, you know, kind of correct or wrong, he's not from Japan, and so Miguel, you can take all you want right now. He fought a guy from the <laughs> USA, unless. You know, Carlo was claiming a different country at that time. Pat Healy is tough. Oh yeah, Pat Healy. That uh, Pat Healy fight on uh, Miguel's show. I remember that one. That was a good one. That was I, I won that one. That was a good one for me. Yeah. And, okay. And the, the thing is, is, is uh, you know, you got a match making, and I didn't have Japanese opponents for everybody, but Carlo at that point was getting back on the radar, and and Healy, you know, Healy have a run afterwards, so definitely yeah, he a, did. A, a solid mid card fight, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, Miguel. I remember. I remember. I remember. Uh, real quick, uh, Miguel. Uh, that was the one that you were uh, really pushing uh, Eddie Alvarez at the time, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's all right. I remember that about 2005, right? 2005. Yeah. Well, here this is here's the story. Eddie Alvarez was already the main event of this show. So. No, no, no. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. He he was he was a big ticket guy, man, on the oh, East yeah. Coast, man. Yeah, we put. He was in. selling out. That's how we learned yeah, about he was him. selling out shows. He fought for me, and uh, I put him on the first time he fought for me. I put him on first, and yeah. then after he fought, eighty percent of the audience left, and we never put him on first. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, I, I didn't mention it, but he's Big the only guy. That he's the only guy that I, I put him head to head against Pat Miletic to sell wow. tickets. He's the only guy. Yeah, wow. I, I, I remember, wow. uh, at, at, I think at Euphoria 5, where he was there, and, like, he was, like, kind of frustrated because he was collecting tickets, but it wasn't, like, five or ten tickets here or there. It was, all right, I got five grand with this guy. I got 3500 with another guy. And it was, like, he's talking about, like, twenty to $30,000 worth of tickets in Atlantic City. 
Wow. Yeah. And he, he makes his own T-shirts, and he's got, like, like a, like I know his brothers or younger brothers are involved, like, selling shirts. Like, you can mm-hmm. walk down the boardwalk, and there's people, like, his team is hustling, you know? So that's wow. Man. They, 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 that's they, it, man. The kid got it from very early on. He deserves all the success he ever made. But, yeah, that was – yeah, yeah he, he 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 was one of those dudes. He got it from the very get go. You need to do your own. You got you got to have like, you got to have your own gear. You got to have your own warm ups. You got to have your own uh, shirt for the fight. That's twenty five dollars, and you, you know it's, and uh, you know you got to have all this stuff. I mean, he was he was professionalized monetizing everything about fighting before it was really. He was even in the UFC. Yep, absolutely. Before he was ever even in Japan or anything. It's and, crazy. and if we could take a lesson from him versus guys like yourself and Chris and stuff, it's not to knock it and everything like that. But oh, for sure. Because oh, he, made so, he made so much money with tickets that he couldn't say no to a fight on the road. He said, nah, I'll stay home. Yeah. And then you, know, you bring him here. Exactly. And make it worth your while. And, and being able to say no at times is very helpful when you're trying to negotiate. Yeah. You know, Miguel Torres. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah, Miguel Torres. Well, at the time, also Miguel, you know, it was the it was it was East Coast, West Coast, sort of. It was AC or Vegas, AC or Vegas for for big money fights, right? And so, you know, kid out of Philly, that's forty five minute train ride. You know, like, it's, yeah, he was yeah. able to off right off the first, second, third fight. You know, these guys that uh, Ring of. Uh, Ring of combat Ring in of combat. Uh, New Jersey. Yeah, they they've got it. They've got it good because, well, I, I, I'm you know I'm not I'm not I don't know now I don't know the the actual realities of the area there. But what I'm saying is you know it's a regular Lou event. Neglia. So they've got you know it's every month or two or three months they know they're going to fight again or whatever. So they can they've got that constant or at that time in the 2000s you know the. The Atlantic City area was very healthy, man. There was a lot of events coming through town. UFC was coming through and all that stuff. And you know, you, I, I don't know if it's that way anymore. So with Lou Neglia, the, the one thing that's super interesting, like I, I go down like rabbit holes that I mean it could, it could be considered mental illness. I would like to say I'm just researching. But um, <laughs> the thing with the first five or six uh, Lou Neglia shows, he was actually using the Ring of Honor pro wrestling cage. So there's an actual like big spring in the middle of the cage for when like it, it was like the footing was way different than the normal cage that people would, would fight in or the ring that people would fight in. I apologize. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Wow, that's, so that's a good idea, you know. <laughs> yeah. So so you know, Carlos, sometimes like there's there's fights in people's careers that like define them. Like Chris, you've got five or six fight of the night award, you know, uh, wins with with the UFC. Um, you know, most of your losses are split decision. You know, you've only been finished twice in your entire career. Like, like there's certain benchmarks a fighter has where you can go watch this one. This guy's about that life. And you fight in Brazil, November 25th, 2006. And you can tell it's like somebody that that's hosting. It speaks English, but not like really good. They probably listen to like really <laughs> bad, like heavy metal music. It's called Storm Samurai. Where yeah, you yeah, fight. Yeah. Marlo Matthias from Shootbox, um, walk us through that fight because that's a brutal, brutal fight. Like, and it's one-sided brutal, I might add. Yeah, well, at the time, you know, because at the time, everyone was so scared of Shootbox guys. 
And I was like, they don't even have good Muay Thai. Their Muay Thai's junk. There's Muay Thai <laughs> junk, dude. And I, you know, I was one of the only guys. That's our headline. I was one of the only guys to say it. And I'm not even trying to, you know, uh, uh, justify. That was just my mentality. That was my mentality, all right? I'm not saying that Mr. Rafael Cordero is, you know, not awesome trainer, super dude, super guy, super nice. I have a lot of respect for him and him for me as well. I know I know all these guys. I'm just saying at that time, I did not respect their martial arts. I was like, it's just steroids, bro. I'm not scared of these fuckers. You know what I mean? That was my mentality. And I'm like, oh, they're kicking dudes in the head and they're stomping everybody and blah, blah, blah. I'm like kneeing them when they're on, you know, in the, in the north, south or whatever. I'm like, so I'd do that myself too if I were in that position. So, you know, I don't know, man. I was just like. I'm still this way. I'm very much a contrarian, but not in all things. I, of course, I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm more matured. I would hope to say I'm more matured now. I'm not that extreme now, but I am a, a, in a lot of ways a, 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 a contrarian. And at this point, I was like, man, everybody's saying don't go. It's dangerous. All that did was I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. And I'm gonna knock him out. And I'm going to stomp on them because they're stomping on everybody, right? They're going to stomp yeah. on me, right? Okay. Yeah. Dude, so you finished him with his own move. You finished him with well, his own move. That was, that was sort of like there wasn't at the time there was no – at least I wasn't on them or anything, but there was no like internet forums or any of that. But sort of the rumor was they're going to stomp on these – you know, everybody's coming to Kurichiba to get stomped on. So in my mind, I'm like, we're going to train for that. And so I was like, I'm going to pass guard, get knee on belly, and I'm going to just step on roaches, man. I'm going to – and so we trained that in camp. We actually trained that. You faked a Kimura, and then you stood up and head stopped him. How was the crowd at that point? Yeah, they, they, I, I just remember, you know, I was shocked, but Curitiba is such a fight city, man. They, 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 uh, they – as soon as, you know, as soon as the show's over, they were all – you know, everybody was like – giving me thumbs up and giving me, you know, asking for high fives and stuff. So what, you know, all that showed me was, you know, it is, it is, it is just a pumped up there guys. It's not, it's, it's not, it is and it isn't the bloodthirsty crowd, you know, of course they want their home team to win. That's how, you know, patriotic sports city should be, you know what I mean? And that's sure. what they had at that time. It wasn't, they had a professional NBA team or the best NHL Stanley cup champions. They just had some badass dudes that would knee dudes in the head in Japan <laughs> at the time. And so the whole city had this fame, this aura about it, just from this gym that was producing badass no holds barred fighters at the time. But you know, and so you 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 caught that vibe in the in the town. Everybody sort of like knew about a little bit about fighting and stuff, but right after the fight, everybody's so nice, you know. Well, you mentioned right. you mentioned that Melvin Guillard had given you like your first glimpse of the show, but and they're completely different. But Shooter Box around that time was a show. All of them in uniform. You they go, you know, you get Anderson Silva. And they had like guys like Uru Doom, like you know, guys that no one remembers anymore. All yep. super fit, all super angry at life kind of thing like you know what i mean so like they really had let me tell you man mike said it about that life they were about that life shoot box they'd, they'd throw down right there in a the hotel lobby <laughs> <For> <laughs> oh sure. yeah 
for sure. So, so let's, Chris. I know you got to wake up early in the morning. So why don't we just do one more yeah, with yourself? Three, Thirty. Yeah. So why don't we just you do one can... more with yourself and Carlo? If, if if you've got time, Miguel and I'd like to finish up the interview. If that's okay. Sorry about this. I got to go. Course, Chris has got this this bare knuckle thing that he's got to go to. I got to leave at three thirties. <laughs> so let's just do one more with Chris and got Carlo. It, brother, you know, got it, man. If we can finish the interview with you, it'd be greatly appreciated. So October 29, 2010, Superior Challenge, Stockholm, Sweden. There's a bit of history behind this fight that's incredibly fascinating. I don't want to spill the beans. Why don't you take us through it? What, 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 wait, wait, what, the Stockholm, Sweden fight? Oh, it was uh, Reza, Reza Madadi, right? Yes, you fought Reza Madadi. That's correct. Reza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, well, I mean, I, I took that fight on, you know, on a Sunday. Uh, Ken Pavia was uh, looking after me at that time. The Pav. The Pav. And he was my manager for a the while. The Pav. The fucking Pav, right? Oh, Chris is old school. He knows. Gail knows. Hell, oh, dude. This is hilarious. So the Pav, good guy, man. Nothing oh, yeah. but good things to say about the Pav, all right? And the Pav hits me up. Hey, Prater, you want this? I'm like, yeah. You know? And How much was so it? I went out there and did it, but it was, you know. It was one of those, you know, it's like, are you sure, Carlo? And 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 I wasn't even near I wasn't I wasn't too over, but I mean I shouldn't have taken a 155 pound fight oh you know on a on a week, you know, because it's just not smart. You know, you're gonna be off by a pound or two, which was the case, and they find me and it fucked my head up a little bit because you know, maybe oh, you're gonna start a point down and they're taking 30% of your purse and this really? and that, you know. So it's like I don't know. You live and you learn, right? But that was another one. It was sort of like, hey, you want to fight? It's like, yeah, let's do it. That was, that okay, was so, sort of that deal. <laughs> so did you did you arrive to the event after weigh-ins took place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. the you know, the connections, man. Going west to east sucks, man. You know, west wow. east sucks. And so they had already weighed in in the morning. And the, here's the fucked up part, right? So this is all, oh, man. This was a bad – so – I, I took I took my uh my, my corner was Randy Howard. I was my roommate at that that point and uh, <laughs> um in, in in Houston. But he you know he's a pro fighter. He's trained. He's he's done the whole salsa lead system. Eve. He was there for all the camps. He knows what what to do. And so, but anyway, so we go out there and we get there in like three thirty in the afternoon. Weigh-ins already happened, and I ha and I'm gotten off the trans uh, continental flight. So I'm. You know, I'm you like retaining water. Unreal. You never even. Yeah. Well, I'm, hotel, I'm retaining you? water already. You know, I, oh, yeah. I, and I was super disciplined on the flight. I didn't have anything. I just like put on my shades and like slept and everything. But I was still, you know, some pounds over. And uh, they they take us right to the mock weigh-in, and and they're all talking, uh, you know, Swedish and and stuff, and you know, and they had a translator for us and stuff, and they're just pointing us, oh, you go here, you go there. And I was like, go to the hotel or what's the deal? And they're like, no, no, first you go to weigh-in. I'm like, I, I can't go straight to weigh-ins. They're like, no, 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 it's just to take pictures. I'm like, oh, okay. So we go there and they bus us there. And so they walk, it was in this nightclub, but there, it was during the afternoon. So it wasn't open for a nightclub yet, but they walked me up and I, I and you know, you walk into this room and there was a large table and uh, some people there and some people with cameras. And, and so they, they, you know, they, over for me to go sit over there and I sit down and and I, I I was sort of looking around but I didn't really notice anybody and I and I see after maybe a minute or so there's a guy that really mean mugging me 
you know, got, you know, full beard, you know, looked Arabic, you know, Middle Eastern. And uh, so he's like, you know, really, you know, look, looking, you know, hardcore at you or whatever. And I'm like, what's this dude looking at? And I was like, oh, that's my dude, you know, and uh, <laughs> out of nowhere. And, 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 and he's just looking at me. And he's like, <sighs> I've never seen anybody like, 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 what are you doing, dude? He's he's like, are you okay? He's are you dead, okay? Had a stroke. I'm like, are you okay? Have you done this before? Have you fought before? I'm like, you know, that's just me being a dick, but. Anyway, so at the and, and they're talking in Swedish and they're I guess what they're doing is they're they're introducing me as I just got in from my international flight or whatever my international opponent and this is Reza and he stands up and and he oh, does this thing and then he looks at me and he go you know he looks at me and he does you know the whole thing and he's he step he stomps right up in is he front doing of a me. grave digger he's doing a grave digger yeah a doing all this shit right. <laughs> And I'm just getting on my flight. I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'm a fan of that. Sit down, fool. I'm like, I will, I will. And I'm, I looking at my corner, and I'm just like looking at everybody. I mean, you're gonna take this? You want me to take this, really? Because you know, and uh, but you know, they pull him off, and and then they 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 square us off. And I'll never forget. I had just gotten off a flight, and I hadn't had anything to eat or drink, so I know my breath was a little bit stank. You go, know, I got a little that ketosis, you know. Oh yeah. And so. You know, and they bring us together, but I still got all my, yeah, it nice. Right. And so they bring us together and I've got my, uh, flight clothes on. I'm, you know, and your luggage, but he, and he, your luggage in hand well, he, what was funny to me was he was all decked out, man. Soon he had a little handkerchief coming out, you know, Conor McGregor style. Right. But, and, and it face us off and he gets up in my face and I, I square back into him. So at that point I was like, all right, you know, Okay, because you know I've never been one to, you know, <laughs> bow down. But yeah. anyways, that was that. But you know, Reza's such a gentleman. After the fight, man, that guy was such a gentleman, man. He really was. He took us around. He, he took it. The next day, we had we had to stay a couple days for our flight to come back, and so him and him and uh, Akira Korasani came and picked us up and took us to Thai food. Oh, that's nice. A nice yeah. guy, how, how soon after did you leave? That's Solid the real guy. question. What's that, man? Sorry. How man. soon after did you leave? I think it was like, you know, uh, we fought, I guess, that Friday night or something. I think uh, the flight was on a Sunday or Monday. Well, no, it, it was on a Monday. Country. Nice. nice. So, yeah, wow. I didn't really get – I, I wish I would have stayed because, you know, I, I would love to see more of Sweden. But it was in the cold part of the year at that time. I remember it was snowing. The only so, time I was there once, it was cold, too. Cold. Yeah. So, so, Chris, you're bouncing, brother. I gotta go. Hey, I just want to say one thing, Carlo. Thank you so much. And we got a uh, Mike Miguel. We got a. Um, we'll talk to some people, man. I want to try and get this guy fighting here, man. He deserves it. He put in the hard work, and damn, why would you not put him on some cards, man? You know, Let's get you back well, in there, brother. Well, you got, you got I'll tell you what, man. I, my man, man. I'll tell you what. You just made my my year, man. It was a, that was the nicest thing you could have said possibly. I, I got the no. utmost respect for you as a fighter, man. You're a thank fucking you, thank stud you, man. fighter, man. I always looked up to you hey. as a fighter, as a boxer, as a firefighter, as a man. Thank you, as sir. As a person. Hey, man. Person. Um, just, just so you know, like I said, I'm leaving tomorrow for the, the BKFC. If there's ever some bare knuckle, let me know. I'll see if I can talk to you about Let's it. do it. I'm down, right. man. I'm, I'm down. Tomorrow. I'll talk to Nate. I'll see if I can Tell him. Work I, out, my I've friend. actually sent them an email, never got a return. So I'll talk to Nate tomorrow, see if we can't get this work out. I'd love to have you on the car, brother. 
So thank drinking. you guys. I'm sorry I gotta leave, but I gotta get up early and I gotta talk to my wife, do my stuff, my kids. I haven't done anything. I'm an asshole. I know it. So I'll see you guys. <laughs> I'll hit you later, Chris. You think, Chris? You're going. Right, so Carlo, uh, you know, like Chris has got a pretty busy schedule, so we're, we're you know lucky to have him. You know, with this, we're going pretty long right now. Are you okay with time? I'm fine, man. I've got nothing going on, man. I, okay. I get up I in the morning uh, to my little guy to. No, yeah, no. I, 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 so we like to kind of time travel and really go back and kind of nitpick. And it's interviews like this, like for us, that's super important because we get nitty gritty. We get our hands dirty. And, you know, you got 50 fights. Like, that's important to us. Like, we, we need to know. I appreciate it, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, if anything, I'll tell you what, man. It's made me want to go dig up the 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 DVDs I got and then convert them bitches to Dude, you to uh, to MPEGs and put them on put them on man because you know I got a lot of fights man that not even of of my fights but I got a lot of uh, like the cards themselves that had you know a bunch of big names on there that went on to do other things and but bunch of fights so I was yeah, thinking I wish about Lee that. Coates, I wish Lee Coates would would upload it you know to YouTube because he had some top line talent on, on those ffc cards he really yeah really right so yeah for sure man so uh you beat brian uh travers in strike force challengers cup which you know was rivaling the ufc at the time so you, you you broke through i mean obviously you had some ufc wins you know we started this interview with you saying that you know you kind of hit a couple stumbling blocks that that brian travers fight definitely you know was not that yeah, no, I mean, I, we had a we had a great camp for that fight. It was a, it was it wasn't much of a camp. It was a little less than a month because all Solis, I was training with him. Eve had left Houston. He was living in Fort Lauderdale, and so I had pretty much gone and and uh, been training with Saul. And uh, I believe Tim Crater wasn't even in uh, Houston anymore as well. He had moved back to Louisiana, and so. Um, I was, I was training a lot with Saul, but I remember at that time, um, in 2010, uh, I had, uh, two or three fight cancellations. No, uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, yeah, two or three fight cancellations. And then I, uh, finally got a fight at the end of the year, uh, uh in shine. But, and, uh, so that, that saved my year, right? I got to fight because I, I was supposed to fight like, uh, I remember uh, I was supposed to fight uh, Derek, uh, not Derek, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Strauss from Bellator, okay. Daniel Strauss at 155 and he, in, in that show in Indiana. And uh, that went through, I don't know why. And so I was all frustrated. And I went several months in 2010, no fights. And then, and then I, uh, 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 Shine, Jason Chambers got a hold of me to do the Shine thing. And so I did that. And, and after that, I was mad that I didn't, not mad, I, you know, I did well, but I, I didn't win. I lost a freaking ticket again. So, and then the, I got the Reza Madadi uh, offer. So basically what I'm trying to say is I, I you know, I'm, I'm like trying to like dig my, dig my way out of these losses by like fighting more and, yeah. making, you know what I mean? But if you don't plan it out, you might take another lot, you know, another decision loss or you're not in the best shape or you didn't strategize for this guy. And he just, you know, yeah, you hit against the fence or, yeah, yeah you, you hit a tactical fight or beat you, but, or beat you, whatever, you know, but, and so, and so 
I remember at the beginning of 2011, Saul's like, hey, Carlo, you know, I just got off the phone. Get your ass in the gym. I already, I was already training once a day either way. And, you know, I had, I had little small jobs to take care of myself during this whole time. But, um, you know, at that point, he's like, hey, man, Strike Force is coming in like 20 Sundays in Austin. And, and you're fighting this guy. I'm like, all right, cool. And he's like, I need you in a two, two time. We're going to do two days. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So it was, it was a good, quick, concise camp, but it was everything I needed. It was just two days, lots of rounds. It was good, man. I well, felt good. He, he was real tough. And then, like, you know, in 2011, you had four fights. And your opponent's combined records were 58 and 10. And you ended uh, 2011 uh, against Cameron Dollar with the, uh, a second-round Kimura finish. And it's, it was on Legacy FC, which is McMaynard's organization, which you know certainly helps you. Um, Mick obviously you know had looked out for you on more than one occasion at this point. But Cameron Dollar is very slick with submissions, and you know it's one of those things like you, you sit here and you complain about getting finished by your own move, and you've done that several times in your career, which includes Cameron Dollar. Yeah, Cameron. Uh, you know, I I I wasn't uh, I wasn't. Uh aware of his, uh, you know, ultimate fighter, uh, past, but I just knew that he had, he had done, or maybe it wasn't ultimate fighter, but he had something, I think he had a UFC fight or something. So I, I was just thinking to myself, you know, just keep going, just fight him. I, I didn't know who he was like, you know, as, as a fighter, but I just knew, you know, he's, he's got the UFC, uh, I think, uh, he had fought one fight in the UFC, I believe, but I just knew that. So I was like, I, you know, an inch closer, beat him an inch closer, but I, did, I had no idea they'd call me up after that, but yeah. Before, yeah, that, so they, before that he was on uh, the UFC ultimate uh, season nine and uh, yeah. he appeared on there on that finale show. So there were a couple of, yeah, he had, you know, technically four UFC fights, although three go down as amateur fights. So yeah, he was a known right, quantity. Right. So, you know, after that fight, you get called up, and it's January 14th, 2012, UFC 142. And, you know, and I know this might not be an easy topic for you to discuss, but you fight Eric Silva. And mm -hmm. um, Mario Yamasaki is a referee. Um, yep. Why don't you take us through this and tell us about what happened afterward with yourself? Okay. Um, the fight itself, I, I just remember, you know, going out there, trying to touch and show respect, but, you know, trying to also press forward and, you know, show I was, uh, you know, at the time I was coming up from 155, I had fought there for like the last couple fights. And I, I, I went up to 170 for that fight because I was going to take another fight in the south of Brazil at the time. And at the time, uh, Jason Chambers, my manager, called me up and said, no, 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 you're not. We just got you in the UFC and three weeks you're fighting this guy. And so I started checking him out. And I think I'd seen one of his fights before at that time in jungle fight, but I just knew he was, he's just a wild athletic striker the way I'd, I'd seen him, but not sophisticated with this striking, just big, lanky and fearless. And, you know, that's dangerous enough, but, but I mean, you know, as a professional tie fighter myself, as you know, uh, at that point I'd, I'd have, you know, a lot of fights myself. Hey, what so I, I knew how to break him down. 170 welterweight. That's rough. So that's rough. Yeah. So my thought process was like, I'm going to be quicker and I'm just going to eat what I want until then I'll be super healthy and I won't need to cut weight. You know what I mean? So that was my thought process. And I came in great shape, honestly. I mean, I got, you know, I once again, you know, three weeks, 
Is he in the best shape? I'm always in tip top, man. Well, maybe not, you know, all the time, like but you know, I'll tell you what, man, 90% of the year I'll, I'll, I'm ready to go, man. Give me two weeks. I'm in incredible shape, resting heart rates down, all sorts of indicators, physiological indicators that I'm in awesome shape. But basically what I'm trying to say is there's no excuse. He just, he, 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 he caught me with a really big, I believe knee and I took it and ate it and, 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 uh, sort of like fell down on myself, but, uh, you know, tried to salvage a single out of it. And I just remember I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm pulling and I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull and, and get, pop my head out to the side because I, I never like to be on a head inside single when we're both on our, our knees. I, I just don't like that. I like to run to the back from, you know, folk style wrestling or, you know, finish on a head outside single and try to run to the side. So either way I'm, a, I'm in on that single. All of a sudden I, I just feel some whapping and my arm goes numb and I was deep on the single. So I couldn't like, all I wanted to do in my mind was just like lay down and like straighten out my, my neck and just like mm, do traction on my neck. Uh, 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 a stinger basically yeah. you know like in football yeah. you have a stinger yeah, sure. even in wrestling or in judo you toss it in your head sometimes you get a stinger it was just a really bad stinger but i had it and i'm trying to like let go of his leg and i'm trying to like let go but my 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 reaction wasn't letting me go let go of his leg but basically when you know he, he started whapping he gave me some good good ones and they pulled him off and he went off and, and celebrated but i just wanted to roll over and like straighten out my it was this weirdest feeling, you know. I don't know if uh, you know other well, it fighters. Happens. Uh, it happens. It, 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 it was just a stinger, but I. Uh, so it was in my mind. It was I, I don't care. I got just got TKO'd, KO'd. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I just want to stop feeling the the you know the hey. the shock, the steam, yeah. right? But um, you know, I've had that maybe two, three times in my you know life training or whatever in uh, stingers. I, we all have at some point, but. It was just a at that moment, at the most important moment of my career, and so made me look like uh, I don't know, you know, I just uh, I don't know. It, it is what it is. When we're when we're in the arena, we're subject to that. So, you know, I'm sure that. Yeah, but it was out of, also uh, out of your hands, and like you, you took. It seemed to me like I didn't you took even a know lot of abuse. Well, I, I, listen, here's the thing: I didn't ask for that win. I, honestly, I didn't ask for it, man. They gave it to me. Uh, they call it a disqualification, but I never at once, you know, like I just wanted to roll over and not feel the sting, man. Honestly, I was just okay. my, 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 my arms were stinging and I just wanted to straighten out my leg, my, uh, my, uh, back. And that was it. I had no idea I had won or lost. I, I, my, I thought I had just gotten TKO'd. So I thought I'd lost. And then in the back, they, cause they never raised my hand. They just carted me off. And in the back, they're like, you won. And then while it is, comes in, he's like yelling at me on this shit in Portuguese. I'm like, and my corner starts yelling back at him. And then he comes over and he's chill. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You know, total bipolar. I'm like, believe man, you're, you're, you're somebody I look up to. You're, you're bitching me out. I get it though. It's your boy. But it's just like, I had to deal with all that. And then they rushed me out of the hospital. And then basically I knew after that, man, like, the the way that it got like unfortunately th this how things happen in in uh in sports and in the the kinetic movements 
at certain times, you know, it's chaotic and stuff happens and then people rush to conclusions. All I know is over the next couple of days, I got like 200 phone calls, texts, all this stuff from Hedgy Global and SBT and Hedgy Hit Corge and all the big uh, Brazilian, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, sports uh, sites and stuff. And then, a, you know, Bloody Elbow and all these people from the States and all this. And so, and, 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 and I was still in the hospital and, and uh, for like two days, they kept at me, me and uh, myself and uh, Terry Etim were, were like side to side and like, like trying to get out of here. Like, what are we doing here? It's, we're fine, but it's just protocol. So by the time I get out, they kept me there for 48 hours afterwards. By the time I get out, I didn't want to like yeah. deal with any of that. It's in it your rearview mirror. Too much media. Man, I had no idea it was that much media. I didn't, man, I, I was honestly still in like mid 2000s, Carlo, like MMA is just a select group of people that even know about this shit. And you're a warrior and you're no one really knows. I had no idea it was popular and people were like watching and it was, I had no idea. I basically, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm innocent or I'm or poor me or I'm just, what I'm trying to say is I had no idea that it was that popular and it would be that commented on and all this. So basically what I'm trying to say it is after that, I already fault. knew that I had a, a target on my head because I had fucked up a pay-per-view. You know what I mean? So that's why I felt, but the UFC never, the, well, at least that administration, the UFC, they never let me feel that way though. I mean, they were always cool, man. Joe Silva, cool, good, cool cat, old school, Reed Harris, cool cat, Dana, not a bad thing to say. Always treated me okay. You know what I'm saying? So honestly, it was it was one of those things though. I was like, yeah, I fucked up a pay for you pay per view. I already know that this isn't starting off the the the. You know, it wasn't the debut I wanted, for sure. Well, a, a lot of the time though, you, you know, when something like that happens, especially like you know, controversial fast stoppage, really, they offer you a rematch. Did they ever float you a, a rematch idea, or because you went on to fight other people? No, Miguel, but I sent out I sent out freaking inter, uh, emails to Rich Chow over the last two years since they picked up uh, Eric, telling him about myself, saying I'm still in the game, 170-pound fighter. He's in Bellator now. There's no reason not to. I'm sure he wants it. Man, I mean, look, why am I even – No, for, okay, so Mike's seen my Instagram. He knows I don't give a fuck about any of that shit because yeah. I'm a I'm, – man – I live in a real world. This is not, this is not, I, I'm not, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm still in the two thousands MMA. <laughs> like it's about well, training and it's okay. not about promotion and it's not about, you know, narcissism and look who I'm training with and hold on, let me flex up. Okay. Now, now take it. Okay, good. And thanks to my sponsor. And isn't that I'm self-funded. I've had very few sponsors in my career. The ones that I have, love them to death, still in contact with them every, occasionally. You know what I mean? It's like I, that's not the the, the route I was – I'm, I'm just like a horrible fucking professional athlete because I, I was never very professional about it. But I was always very athletic. I'd show up and I'd do my thing, you know? But You're pretty fleshy. Well, well can we I frame would, this let, – let's frame this properly just, just so to kind of put it in its proper context. First and foremost, at that time, Dana White – always spoke out against Mario Yamasaki. Okay, so what this fight is kind of famous for oh, is yeah. Joe Rogan oh, pulling yeah. Mario Yamasaki and interviewing him go, 
do you really think he should be DQ'd over that? And like he, Joe Rogan really punked out Mario. However, when you look at Brazil pay-per-views all the way up until a few years ago, the UFC always flew their own staff there. Like everybody that was a judge, a referee, you know, anybody working that event was handpicked by the UFC because there wasn't a real commission in Brazil until a few years ago. So For sure. Dana White and Joe Rogan can sit here and go, well, that's not true. Or, you know, they can sit here and say, well, it's a horrible thing. Mario shouldn't be refereeing. And, and at this point, Dana had publicly stated that, that Mario Yamasaki had no business refereeing. Then why did they bring him in? That, that, I mean, that's it. Like, you're not going to sit here and say, well, you know, I hired a serial killer to babysit my kids. I went out for a movie and I came back and man, it was, man, it was horrific inside the house. Like you can't sit here and act surprised when you're the judge and jury and, and you're paying people. That's Dude, just my personal you know, opinion. Absolutely. And let me tell you something, Mario Yamasaki, he's, you know, here's the thing, uh, you know, say all the things you want about uh, someone as a, as a, as a judge or, you know, as a fighter, but you have to look at what they've done previous to that. So what am I trying to say? He actually, he's one of the introducers of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area there. He's got a pretty successful BJJ school and affiliate system and all that. So he he's, he's an actual lifelong martial artist. He knows what he's doing. He's not somebody that was approved in the last, you know, several years with the boxing commissioner or something. He was one of the first picks. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, based what, on background. What, he speaks Portuguese. Dana, Dana, Dana knows that Mario is a good ref, but he, he, you know, he had to say that because that's, that's who Dana is. Dana has to be the, the villain at times. Dana has the to show. be the good guy at times. He has to speak out at times. He has to be uh, stoic at times and, or feign it. And, and, and then has to also, you know, be uh, captivating. He's got to, he's got to be the jester. You know, Dan is the public face, so For he'll sure. say whatever he comes to mind. It's not really, you know, he's a brilliant out. You know, and absolutely, that, but that bags on Dana does not know what they're talking about. He is a absolutely. But what I'm player. trying to say is, you know, it's yeah. it's natural. It's off the cuff. Sure. He's just like, oh, Mario. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's a great ref. Fucked up at pay per view. Oh, yeah. horrible ref. Oh, fucking what's he doing? I never liked him. So yeah, fucking idiot. And so it's like it's true. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's it, I don't know. It's it's something of you know the successful guys that have a, a lot of power and money. You know, it's like you, you please them. They're like, okay, good kid. I like him. I like this motherfucker. He's he's good. He knows how to work. You fuck up their pay per view, like fucking idiot. What do we ever? You know? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's how I could put it. You yeah, know, yeah, Dana's not a bad guy though. He's just in a fucked up position. He knows the Yeah. It's funny, I, this weekend was a great pay-per-view, and I think Carlos summed it up, like, you know, 15 years ago, the sport was different, because the, the whole thing, great fights, everything, crowd, everything you want, and there's that one moment where, before they announced the winner, they got to hand them a monster can. It's like, what the, fuck? You know, oh, fuck, man, I, I noticed that, and it gets to me, I don't like it. <laughs> well, well, here, and, 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 and I mean, let's, let's talk about that monster can, and I, mean, I know we're going off topic. Hans Molenkamp just got destroyed you know, by like how he needs to be friends with people and you got to like his, you know, like his statuses on, on, on social media. Well, otherwise, you know, you're not going to be one of their sponsored athletes. Every single athlete at that pay-per-view got some cash. All of them. 
And it was, you know, it's largely in part because of the controversy. You know, and here's the thing. I mean, I'm not against that, man. I want more money in MMA for, for fighters, for the promoters, for the people who work in this industry. I mean, I'm not against any man in the industry. I'm against, I'm for all of us. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hater. I'm, you know, I've been supportive of my fellow fighters. I've helped many fighters along the way and I'm happy for all of them, but fuck man, what, what kind of society we created where it's more about, you know, like, look at my reels on my Instagram or Carlo. I was just in in Miami a couple weeks ago and had that huge like riot, like on the beach that made like international news and all you saw were these scantily clad, just bottom feeding strippers walking down, walking down like the, the main street in bikinis, yeah. all done up, taking pictures with in restaurants with people's food that wasn't theirs, taking pictures in, with clothes that they're not going to buy. For, and it's just like you're playing pretend like you're, you're playing like Ken and Barbie. It is a big except, LARP, isn't it? Except you're like your 20s. Like, Thank I, you. I can't even, I can't even, I, I, it blew my mind what I saw there. But Miguel, we got a couple other uh, fights that we're going to talk about, but I'd like to kind of break up the monotony of the interview. And why don't we hit them with just like general questions that we have? Um, I'll start if you don't mind. I mean, I know I've kind of taken up the lion's share of, of, of time in this, in this interview, but you trained an American top team. Yeah, yeah. Were you there when, when Hector Lombard? train there or Thiago Silva? Yes. Yes. Uh, 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 not Thiago, but uh, Hector. How Hector was, was it there. working out with him? And is there anything that may have stood out while you were there involving him during practice? Hector, man, honestly, I, I never really, I never really had much uh, interaction with him just one-on-one, but you know, in some of the group exercises and stuff, you know, we're, you know, sweating next to each other and everything, but he's very, 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 man, I'll tell you this, that guy's a monster dude in more ways than one. You know what I mean? He's, he definitely, he's, he's down to fucking bang on a moment's notice. I caught that. I caught that intensity about him. He's, he's legit. Some would say bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, some of these guys, you know, they don't know when to draw the line, but I tell you this very competent athlete, man. Very, very smooth, man. Fucking Olympian. Olympian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I never, I never moved around with them, you know, cause a, a different weight class and they, they separate everybody there at, at when you're, when you're going to sort of like their system at ATT. I like it. I do. And I, I do. And I don't, I don't want to say I don't on camera, but I guess I, I, there's things about it that I do like and things that I don't like about their system in this particular way. But that when you get there, you get like sort of like assigned or not, you know, not, it's not formally, but a coach will like, mentor you so the guy that picked me up there was laborio so he's sort of like okay so carlo's my so he's he starts to like separate okay so we got carlo next month and this guy this month and he's got his list of guys and then you know you go over there and conan's got his list of guys and hector was with conan because conan does the more of the bigger guys and the and sort of like the heavy hitters and the bigger guys and then there was Mike Brown had his guys and, and then there, you know, and then Pahupia just helped out with everybody and he'd travel. And so everybody had their little group that they work with, but I never really got paired off with Hector to really have much like one-on-one, okay. you know, time with him. But every, it, everything that I, uh, 
you know, any interaction I had with him was pretty, pretty solid. He's okay guy. You didn't see him and Josh Barnett at any point? No, I heard about their knockdown drag him out though for like at CSW. I heard about that though. And yeah, and back in the day before I went to ATT, I already heard about that. So in my mind, I'm like, all right. So if he asks, like, hey, come spar, I'm like, I'm gonna be like, uh, uh, <laughs> Lebo, Laborio, yeah, you sure? Is me and Hector? Oh no, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. No, go as Daniel Strauss. Okay, okay, <laughs> better. So, if it's my turn, my turn. Yes, absolutely. Well. You, you did a fight in Mecca, and that would have been negotiating and dealing with uh, the Curitiba team. And then you got that fight where you, you kind of felt like, you know, they were big shots and stuff, and you, and you, you were able to footstop win against their guy and stuff. But was yeah. part of that, you know, and you said that's the athlete in you, that's the competitor in you, but was part of that... Did they give you a rough time the first time around there? Was it something where negotiations were crappy or were they just jerks in general? No, but I do remember that, um, uh, that, you know, Hujimar had known about me since 2001 when they had asked me to come fight Anderson and for Mecca four. Right. And Mecca world Valley two to four and in 2001 and of course, that dragged on, and it ended up happening like two, three months later than they had originally planned. And I was no longer uh, on board with that event. And so Claudio Noir took my took my uh, spot. And basically, I started my pro career after that fight would have happened. So I, 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 I didn't take that fight. Fast forward years later, and then I do end up fighting uh, one of their guys in 2006. And so they, they'd known about me. So I'm sure they, you know, in their mind, they're like, oh, he didn't come for Anderson, but we'll get him this time. You know what I mean? Sort of deal. Yeah. But, you know, they're very, man. I'll tell you what, Hujumar, people don't understand how how big of a deal that was at that time, man. In the mid-2000s, Shuchi Box was a big deal in Curitiba, man. It was a big yeah. deal. And Curitiba is not no small city. It's, you know, it's a million and a half metropolitan area. It's a big town, <clears throat> you know? It's a it's a big town in the southern southern part of Brazil. It's one of three big cities. You know, you got you know, Porto Alegre, which is much bigger, uh, but you know more to the south. And then you've got uh, Curitiba, and then you've got uh, Florianópolis, which is a lot smaller. But basically, Curitiba is a big big city, big yeah. buildings, big city. Well, they were and the whole stars. freaking town. Well, the whole freaking town at this time. Remember, this was before. Freaking MySpace, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all the social media, none of that yet. And all around town in Curitiba, there was a star, the Shuchibok star everywhere. It's like bakery star in the corner, somewhere, car, uh, cars, freaking bus stops. I was like, ridiculous. Everybody's, hey, 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 all the time. So retarded, you know, <laughs> and, and it's just like, that's not even real Muay Thai. You guys don't even do real Muay Thai. Like, you're just like, you're just brawlers that just grab the Thai plum and just don't let go. And that's it. And I was like, I, I can beat you guys like in my mind. Right. But m maximum respect to all the shoot boxers, man. That, of course. They're super, of course. you know, and, and I, I, I've known Huj Hujimar. He actually came up and uh, to hear it. 
Brasilia and did a seminar with a good friend of mine at the Shootbox DF representative at his little gym. And I went out there and we we had some we had some time together. We talked, reminisced a little bit. And I, I thanked him for, you know, putting on a good show at the time and calling me up. And he's just an awesome guy too, Hujamar. Okay. So you've got the Luta Libre tattoo on your shoulder. And yeah. there was a huge rivalry, obviously, you know, uh, involving them. Did you ever get dragged into that war? Like with the Gracies yes. or Luta Libre? I mean, you're wearing it on your yeah, shoulder. Yeah, Luta Libre, man. Yeah, that that actually that turned into a little bit of an issue with me when I I had in 2000 and uh, well, at about the same time as Storm Samurai, I had been in touch with uh, Joanne. Uh, Guimarães, George Guimarães, um, he sort of was trying to look after me, right? He's trying to give me fights. He's trying to look after me. And, well, he wasn't trying to. He, he had <clears throat> he had asked me to come to Rio to be part of Black House. And so I, I took him up on it. And, I and uh, well, because he had put on uh, these uh, shows back in the day in Brazil, Mecca World Valley Tudo. So he was a promoter of Mecca World Valley Tudo together with Hujimar. And... Uh, and so he started the the Mecca promotion and then the Storm Samurai promotion uh, or excuse me, Joanna started the Mecca promotion and uh, would would televise the Storm Samurai and all the national promotions. But anyways, he was somebody that was very well connected and he was taking care of Vitor Belfort and a bunch of, you know, the Nogara twins and pride and a bunch of people. But he's a he's a, you know, a television personality here in Brazil on a sport TV. So he, he's had a little half hour weekly Valley Tudo show called Passando Guarda, pass, passing the guard for many years from the late nineties in, in Brazil. And so Joanna, he, he, we'd been in touch like ever since I fought uh Mecca world Valley Tudo. And, and then after I fought, um, um, uh, Marlon, he reached out. He's like, Hey, uh, you know, I guess that, you know, let him know I was alive still or whatever. And he's like, Hey, why don't you come down and be part of black house? I've got this place called black house. So I go, all right, cool. And so I was actually one of the first guys to go down, be part of the black house in Rio, which was nothing more freaking black house was nothing more than a house that freaking Joanna was renting across the Avenida Atlantica from the freaking X gym which was Rogério Camões gym, you know, uh, you know, Papa Iron gym. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and down in the second uh, or in a, in a sub solo, the, you know, the second floor underneath, they made a fight space where they had a, a, a cage, a floor cage and a little small uh, ring and uh, some mat space. And that was black house. And Joanne was like, oh, you come and you stay at this house. I've got it's great food and all this. Sure enough, show up. Rio, Carlon Bajeto picks me up at the airport, drives me freaking to uh, uh, the, the, the house in uh, Baja da Tijuca. Well, actually, it's in Hecreu, almost in Hecreu, way out in the south part of Brazil in uh, Rio. Drops you off at this house. You're like, all right, cool. This is Black House. You go in. There's like two Iraqi guys. They don't speak Portuguese. They're just nodding and smiling and, and, and you know, nodding at each other. Mehdi Baghdad and uh, I forget his other um, – some, some, some 
some guy, I forgot his name. They were good, good fighters, good stand-up fighters, though. And then uh, Diego Nunes was there. And, uh, yeah, Diego Nunes from uh, WC went on to fight WC and UFC later. Uh, and Brown. then there was also uh, Michele Verganelli, Michele Verganelli, this Italian cat for, from Italy. And he was doing a Valley Tudos down in Brazil. But anyways, it was it was us in this house. And it was like, it, it, I, in my mind, I'm like, all right, we're going to go on down there. And it's going to be all this structure. The house didn't have shit. It didn't have like gas. It was just like, the guys, I don't know how they were making it, man. There was like, there was no food. It was like. It was scary, man. But uh, so I stayed for about three weeks, and I developed a skin infection on my. Uh, or I, well, it wasn't a skin infection; it was a staph staph infection on my uh, thigh. So I had to go to the hospital for that there in Rio. And then I, I just called up my dad, and I got a bus back to Brasilia. And I went back to Brasilia, and I finished up camp for to fight that art of war, uh, which I was doing. I was going to do the whole camp at Black House. But I got that <clears throat> staph infection on my thigh, and so I just went to Brasilia, and I I finished up there for the last couple of weeks, and I went and fought that art of war. But yeah, that was the story behind that. But at the time, freaking uh, the Black House was this famed MMA gym. It was this little house out in this condominium, bunch of dudes. You know, bunk beds, farting. It was just like, oh, man, it was so pitiful. But it, you know, at that time, there was this mystique that Anderson and Vitor Belfort are training in the same place. And freaking the Nagara brothers are doing the jiu-jitsu training. And it's just, you get there, it's like, no, it was all us. It's like, so I didn't, that didn't last. But then, it, then you know, over time, Joanna did the black house. Now it's out in California, I guess they got an actual gym out there, but. That's rough. So now, in the beginning of the interview, you talked a little bit about Paul Jones and Steve Nelson and, and, and you bring out the historian in me because, you know, Texas had a big scene. So I, let, let me throw some good, some names at you from the, from back in the day. See if you ran into them or had any interaction. Car, how about Carlos Machado? You said, your, your guy, Jeff. Oh, yeah. His girlfriend, did you ever go to there? Did you know Travis Luter, like that crew? When, like, did those guys pop in your radar? Yeah, I don't I don't really remember Travis Luter, but I know that he was one of uh, Carlos's purples when we I went down and got a Carlos seminar. I was a white belt under uh, Jeff Lindsay. And uh, just, you know, training, uh, starting in 96, I went to a seminar at Carlos's at the racquetball club there in Dallas. And, there was a bunch of guys, a bunch of his – at that time, he, I think in Texas, there was only like a couple brown belts maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you have to understand there was this whole oh, mystique about this shit. But nowadays, there's like, you know, it, there's like how many thousands of, you know, black belts are there and even in the United States, let alone in Brazil, you know, or in the world. But at that time, there was so few of them. So Carlos – but I'll tell you this, Carlos uh, – super technician and just very, very uh, soft-spoken and a very knowledgeable, man. Very knowledgeable, but just straight jiu-jitsu, not Valetudo jiu-jitsu, but just actual, you know, kimono right. jiu-jitsu. Uh, so, yeah. uh, on October 8, 2016, you fought in uh, Aspera FC Brasilia, Brazil, against yes. uh, 
Irvin uh, Pirwina. Eddie Vaughn. Yeah, Eddie This Vaughn. was like your hometown. Yes, this was in Brazilian 2016. Okay, so and go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I was, uh, man. I, you know, and and you had you had said that. Oh, we're going to touch on some, and you can name some names. Okay, we'll name some names. This guy named Marcelo Brigadeiro, Brigadeiro, right? So this guy, all right, I've known him for years. Okay, known him for years. I, I actually stayed at him and his mom's house in Rio when I was there doing camps for for the Anderson fight. When I was there for Brazilian Nationals in Luta Libre. When I was there for the for the uh, hell, I stayed at his house. Um, uh, for, uh, for, for, for the Rio state cup in, uh, 2000, I think also, but so I've known Brigadero, I've known him from back in the day and he calls me up and he offered me a fight and I was going to fight this guy named Guilherme Carcassinha or something like that. But he was, he was, he was, you know, he's, he's like coming up, you know, probably like 15, 16 and two or something, you know, he's a prospect in Brazil at the time. So I was going to, all right, I'm going to fight him. Well, comes up on the week of the fight, you know, about six days out. Oh, Carcassinha can't make it to Brasilia. You're going to fight this guy. Like, oh, okay. Well, I'd heard of this Eddie Vaughn in town, but everybody's like, oh yeah, he's just, you know, he's not that, he's not that, he's not ready for you, Carlo. And all this and that. And in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you know, change the matchup. Should I take the fight? There's a lot riding on it. I, you know, at that point I was already coming off a couple, I think if you look at my record, maybe a couple of decision losses. So I, I had to be smart with the fights I was going to take. I had specifically trained for this guy. I think his name was Guilherme Carcassinha or something like that for like two months for, or, you know, six weeks for Brigadero's Aspera. And then out of nowhere, they're like, no, you're fighting this guy from your hometown. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to fight nobody because it's not going to do anything for me. And at that point now, you know, four years ago, I finally f figured out, like, oh, Carlo, you got a name. You're like a, a former UFC guy, ex-UFC guy for these other guys trying to fucking beat you to, you know what I mean? So yeah. – I had finally figured that out. I was like, Carlo, maybe you shouldn't take all these fights they're offering you because they're just looking at you like you're you're fucking ex UFC. So, but then yeah, the, the fighter deep down, yeah, well, the but the fighter deep down, the fighter deep down, and, let, and instead of just saying, okay, well, I'm not fighting Carcassinha, who who would have done something for me the way I looked at it. You know, he was getting promoted in Brasilia in in, in Brazil. Uh, I I should have said, nah, you know, we'll we'll do it in the next next one. I was like, oh, okay, I'll fight this guy. And basically, I show up on weigh-in day, and I'm a kilo over, a kilo and a half over. And that's my fault. I'm, you know, I'm a professional, and I've always made weight and everything or tried. But if I'm over, I'm over. And, I'm, you know, I'm, there's nothing to hide. I'll say it. I'm over, you know, whatever. We're here, though. Are you want to do it or not? And his guys put on the, all these in, impossible shit. They're like, well, okay, you know, in, in retrospect, I understand because his coach is has always had it out for me. Like he would have loved to have been me, right? He was, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt here locally who's like always like – he never had the balls to do it, but I was always doing it sort of deal. But, you know, 
but he's a very successful gym owner, gym owner here in Brazil. He's got a bunch of students. So anyways, this guy was training with him at the time. And I, so part of me is like, you know what? I'll fight this guy. Let's do it. And, and I showed up and I, I wait over and I'm like, well, you guys want to do it or not? I still want to do it. You guys don't want to do it. And they're like, well, yeah, we'll do it. And so I leave and I'm already drinking water, drinking Gatorade. And I get a call from Brigadero. He's at the venue. He's like, well, they came back and they said, they're not going to do it unless you start, you know, a point down or whatever in the oh. round, 10-9 round or whatever. And I'm like, what? what are you talking about, Brigadero? And at this point, Brigadero and I, we're still solid. I'm still drawing on my years prior, 20 years, you know, not, not 20, but almost 20 years I've known him. It's not that like, oh, come on. You know, that's, yeah, that's I'm like, come on, Brigadero. I'm, I'm not even two kilos over. I already let him know. It's my bad. I, I, I offered him money. You know, I, I was like, but a point? That's ridiculous. And he's like, well, it's either that or there's no fight. And at that point, I'm like, I've sold 50 plus tickets in town to the cops that I train. And, you know, I got people coming. I'm like, man, I'm going to do it. Fuck it. Okay, fine. 10 9, first round, whatever. Sure enough, goes the decision and lost that fight and also tore my freaking ACL in that fight as well. So I was just like one of those fights like, oh, man. And fucking Marcelo Brigade didn't even pay me for that fight. He kept your cash? Oh, yeah, piece of shit. That's why That's why I straight say it. You know, I say it. What's he going to do? What, what are you going to do, Marcelo? I mean, come on, bro. It was like it wasn't even a – it was like 2,000 hay ice. That's like nothing, especially now with it. The exchange rate is ridiculous, but didn't it didn't break me? I'm not, you know, I'm not like crying over money. I never had did, did never will because that's did you, did you get that's a an insignificant amount. But what I'm saying is, you know, there's there's there's, and he's not the only promoter that has backtracked on on stuff and you know or, or like ghosted you after or, you know there's okay freaking, right. this so, industry is full of stuff like that, Carl. Carl, you said a lot. So let's let's kind of bring it in. So there are certain benchmarks for 50 fight club members that you have to have. And if you don't have them, Miguel and I, we just don't honor that you're a 50 fight club member. And we'll even throw you out. We'll throw you out of the 50 fight club. You have Word. to get ripped off by a promoter. That's super oh, important. To. You have to. Mm -hmm. So let's go through the list. Who has ripped you off as a, as a 50 fight club member? that we now honor <laughs> man you know here's the thing ripped off is one thing okay but not not even like give it okay so ripped off honestly the only promoter that's ever ripped me off was freaking marcelo brigadero man that's crazy ain't that some shit ain't that some shit but you know it's cool uh, whatever man for, for the non-portuguese speaking people and i i only dabble a little bit there's a man who's known in the business as marcelo brigadero do you even know his real last name? Because Brigadero means street fighter. That's his, that's like his business. Yeah, but <laughs> that's not who he is. He was never frontline Luta Libre. At when at you know at, at state championships, I was winning. Brazilian national championships, I was winning. Going to Rio Valletudo fights and representing Luta Libre back in the day. I did it. Where was he? Yeah. On the sideline talking. Fucking politicking, getting oh, train with me. I'll teach you the guillotine, Terry Adam. Oh, and this guy, and I'm going to I'm England. I'm Darren Till's guy. Oh, and then off that, 
signing other Brazilian guys, promising in the world, you know, including the guy that I freaking uh, fought there, Eddie Bunn. We're cool, you know. He, we've got total respect. He's come to my yeah. house, my gym, and he's we've we've sparred after that fight. So we've we've he's helped yeah. me out. He we've moved around afterwards and everything. Nothing cool. personal, and right? He even signed with that guy Brigadeiro. So Brigadeiro's got like a whole bunch of guys that him and Stefan are Sartori that uh, uh, take care of. But dude, so anti-ethical, man. You talk about like, bro, you're gonna stiff a Brazilian, a Brazilian. Like a fellow Brazilian, like making nothing on that fight. I gave you my name. I wanted to fight because I'm stubborn and I I, I said I wanted to fight, change the opponent. Fine. I've sold tickets. I'm going to fight whoever you put in front of me. I want to fight, but I want to fight. At least do your part. Yes, it was a small freaking purse. It was nothing compared to what I I deserve or what, you know, I should ask for. But, yeah. but whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't fight just for the – the money because otherwise i would have stopped years ago believe me but it's it, it, just do your part if you know if that's what the the, the agreed on was he agreed on do it but he's the only one that's ever really stiffed me the other yeah. ones i'll tell you what i'll go ahead and i'll name some names mick Maynard. hey what happened to our what happened to our breakfast that we had such a a, a wonderful breakfast friend um in in louisiana and you brought up me fighting pele or makako and then you know, I can't get a fight after that. Like, oh, I, I get it. UFC picked you up as matchmaker after they got rid of Joe after that. Okay, I get it. But at least put in a good word with the other guy who used to sort of look after me with Joanna, who also sort of ghosted me after I went asking for if I could get a return fight in LFA, Ed Suarez. Could I please get that return fight when I went into, you know, basically – Loan my ex UFC name to the guy that were, they were trying to bring up as Dustin Poirier and Tim Crater's guy locally. I end up spoiling the party as I've done several other times in my career. Could you please do what we were talking about the, the morning after at breakfast? That was so pleasant for me to hear you say, Hey, you know what? That was a great fight. Looked like the old Carlo. That was great. Great performance. Awesome. How would you, would you like to do Pele or Makako? Both. Let's do it. I don't care. Just put me back in here. I want to fight, man. I have not been offered a fight off that. Look, I, I saw the LFA, the last couple LFA. No no disrespect, but what? The, okay. The 170-pound division in outside of the UFC, there's very few guys, and, I, and I'll tell you right off the bat, Douglas Lima will probably beat Karamaro Usman in 10 fights. I'd say – seven to eight out of those 10 fights. Okay. So let's just put things where things are. Douglas Lima has my utmost respect as a competitor. He's very dangerous for sure. But outside of him, I fight anybody in the world. I think Yamasov is a very difficult fight as well. Very grappling heavy guy from Ukraine and Bellator. He's going to give Lima a tough fight. Those two guys are top of the line. Other than that, I'll fight any 170 pounder outside of the UFC and I'll, I'll fight them hard. And I, 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 I put chips on myself. I can beat anybody in the world. But the whole thing is, you know, you, you, you talk to these guys and they say that, yeah, we'll bring you back. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then you go and you, you, you go to type or you go to text and they just ghost you or act like, you, like, like I'm nobody, man. Okay. I get it. You know, I'm not popular on social media or, 
you know, verified on social media and I don't have a trillion followers and all this shit. That shit's fake and gay. I'm a real fighter. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's we're the old. Gonna that one. We're going to peep that one. Miguel. Okay. Well, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, it's okay. I am. It's okay. So just, Carlo, we, we, I, you know, we started, what am I trying to say? I, you know, I wouldn't be, sti- I, I, I haven't been stiffed by too many, many promoters. I don't even remember any other than, other than Brigadero, but I would have liked to have some of those promises or not even promises, but some of those ideas and just some respect. Like if I send a, a promoter, one of my pet peeves was, well, even like, okay, all right. Several months ago, UFC were coming into town or not even that, I was trying to pump up my friend. I've got a guy, Rafael Celestino. He's at nine and two now, but since I've started training uh, him, you know, taking him under my wing, he's gone. Basically, he's seven and two since then. So he he started out two and zero, oh, and uh, I brought him up. He's he's fought in Titan. He's fought in uh, um, some East Coast shows. Um, he fought for uh, a pro league. Um, he's, he's had some international fights trying to get him fights. So I, 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 I send a message to Mick Maynard. I'm like, Hey Mick, you know, got this guy, got this guy, got this guy. And then the next shows in Brazil, this was maybe a year or so ago. Good volley back and forth. Hey, good to see you, mate. Cause I remember him coming to the gym to watch me, you know, not even me, but watch us train back in the day in Houston. So I've known him for a while. I fought for him, you know, out of nowhere, I see unfollowed me, like, like not answering me. Like, what have I done? Why? I'm not a jerk. I'm bilingual. I'm an educated guy. I treat people well. I'm cultured to a certain point, and I I do try to at least let that be known. You know, I I I do let a, a you know an errant you know foul word get out here and there but i try to carry myself with a little bit of class and what am i what am i trying to say what does it take to get looked at nowadays do i have to have a freaking trillion followers on instagram does that make me worthy fighter now do do i need to you know do i need to to comment on your posts and suck your ding along and you know do all these things it's like ridiculous man The, the back in the day miguel when you were looking for fighters, you were looking for fighters like that were fighting. You wouldn't care if I'm sure you didn't really care if they, aside from the Eddie Alvarez deal. I mean, if they, if they had a huge following virtually, but that's the, it's sort of like that's shifted to the metric nowadays. If you're no longer useful in, in that you have a big they're online following. Carlo, they're, they're negotiating well, exactly. contracts based on social media. Yes, no, that's no, true. You have to it's part of it. The bugaboo of it's business. Yeah, and, and they call it a sport, but this is exactly the part where it's not a sport because, you know, if the Yankees finish fourth, they finish fourth. It's not like somebody goes, well, you know, we're going to put them in the freaking World Series anyway because, you know, it's the Yankees, you know. So, and, <laughs> yep. and you don't have that in true sport. So you can get a guy, and, and, and most Every fighter goes into it with that comp- competition as the foremost, you know, motivator 
and and the foremost judge between themselves, you know? How do you judge yourself against other for fighters? Sure. Not by social media, for God's sake, you know? Not when you're talking about the man in the ring. So it really is, that really is a hard point. We ran into it with Bodog because at Bodog, we had two fight, we had two seasons on TV, and each season we had like a poll, and one fighter would take home like a big bonus with the most uh, votes or whatever it was. And there were two yeah. fighters that separated themselves. And like we had, and this was early in the, in the social media time. So people had 100, 200, 500 followers and stuff. Who came in yeah. with 25,000 votes? Chael Sonnen, 25,000 votes. He more yep. than five times anybody else. He had more than everybody else combined. And the second guy was, a, was Brad Pickett. Yeah. Well, and 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 it, well, here's the thing. I obviously I understand how important that is because that's what is going to, uh, that's what's going to fund the 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 big fights being put together in the first place. That's going to what's going to fund this whole industry. I understand that, but it's almost like nowadays if you even try to draw on your past, real. Uh, life fighting experience and you try to like hey just you know well, little email you got the here resume. just you got the just, resume. just like, you can't just trying like, to just trying to check in just letting you know i'm still in the game i'll fight any of your guys including this guy this guy name drive on him call out their guys and i, I saw his fight i'd like to fight him thank you i'd like to fight him. and then after a while you don't get returned you're like okay well i guess that's not what they're looking for so which makes me look at the whole deal of, of MMA now it's 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 not like it was and and not even in a way that Chris was alluding to earlier that you know guys were grittier this or that what I'm trying to say is now it's almost so impersonal okay MMA in the back in the day even if the guys won or lost you see in Japan they lose in a minute they still get like venerated just because it's the story behind the guy now, what I, I think is because the, the industry, well, at least the UFC, it's, is in itself its own industry, right? So it's, it's got its own farm league. It's got its own uh, performance institutes and leagues and venues. It's got its own everything. It's like its own entity, right? But outside of the scope of the UFC, it's like, what do you got? You guys are literally – trying to book like blogger fights, blogger and thought fights, like on Bellator, the undercard is just thoughts. It's just like thoughts, like, Oh, and two girl versus one and one Instagram pinup model booty. Dude, 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 the Dominic Cruz. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not even trying to, and, and, and God bless those girls. Okay. I'm not against <laughs> women's MMA. All right. <laughs> I, I have a daughter. I don't want her fighting, of course. And I have my son also. I don't want him fighting as well, but whatever. But I, I'm not against women's MMA, but the 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 banalization of the shit nowadays, it's like you look at the whole it, – It's it, you get two Instagram models. That's going to – that's that nowadays is more attractive. Think about it, Miguel, as a promoter. That's more attractive for eyeballs on fucking TV screens than two actual fights sub championship caliber fighters yeah, you, know, you you could say number three versus number five in a division yeah it doesn't matter exactly. so, so carlo carlo when uh dominic cruz announces women's fights especially like jessica i 
He'll say, yeah. well, she's got to roll this way to get out of it. Look, she's going the opposite way again. I don't think she knows how to get out of this submission. Like he is so brutal. He's so catty towards the women because you're looking at 500 fighters on the biggest show in the entire world. Yeah. Like that's like, like you got people with losing streaks, like, like they're four and six, you know, writing a three fight losing streak on the main card. You know, because they got, you know, a couple million, you know, they, they like to take pictures half naked. They got a couple million, you know, followers. For sure. And I understand. And see, here's the thing. I understand that's more important than, than some 50 fight club member. Not me. Like, Not me. I'm oh. a liability. Oh. I'm well, a liability. Words in our mouth. I'm a liability. I come in and I, I come in and I sour some fucking prospects night. Now yeah. he's no longer undefeated. 170 pound the- up and comer. Because he just ran into the Prater. So they, like, they're looking at you as an opponent. And it's a liability, anything, man. Anything less than you being an opponent isn't real interesting to a lot of the promotions that, that you're exactly. talking about. And, and, and I get that. Thing. So Exactly. And, that, and that's why I, at the end of the day, I started to get that. And so I was like, you know what? I want to get back in school. I'm going to also do a couple of other things. But, I'm, I'm man, let me tell you, you know, it, I'm still in the gym every day. I've got – Rafael Celestino, I've got uh, Achila Megatron. These two guys were Paulo Bohashian's main sparring partners for his last camp against Adesanya. And so I've got those two killers at middleweight, and they're ready. you got Achila. Achila's now at four and one. Uh, Hafon's at nine and two. I got him signed fighting in Russia in June. Uh, Yeah, he's he's going to be fighting out there. So I got – what I'm trying to say, I got some guys – I got some guys to bring with me and fight, but it's like I don't have I don't have any clout, any contacts, any of that's gone out the window. But that's okay. I've I've put ducks in 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 you know in my personal life to where I don't I don't depend on MMA for for my 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 sustenance. But it's it's still something that I do so well. I, it'd be a shame to just you know sort of be down here in Brazilia not fighting ever again. Uh, honestly, the way I see it, you know, so, I'd like to throw, fight again. Miguel, let's throw a couple of names at him. Um, what is you went old school opinions of Frederico Lapenda? Lapenda, Lapenda yes. uh, from IBCWVC yes. days. Yes. Yeah, um, nothing bad to say. He uh, he's a uh, him and Sergio Battarelli used to put on the the, the you know the most legit shows in the world, basically. Hundred percent. World Valley Championship. Yeah, yeah. IBC. I agree. He he made it. He made an impact on mixed martial arts. We've got a ton of respect for him. Um, I've know, got the I've got was... the old school Marco Marco Huas uh, Panther series tapes that you know he helped put together, and he he helped to put together a lot of those instructional tapes, man. Yeah. Back in the day, La Penda did. Yeah, we respect him a lot, man. Like he he made his mark, and he was outpaying the UFC at one point. Like he was literally outpaying the UFC. I mean, he's bringing Igor Volchenin in to Brazil to fight in a small bar. You know, Nick Nutter yeah. was on that card. Like he's Nick Nutter, yep. Kerr later. Kerr, yeah. Yeah. Huh. How about how about Walid Ishmael? Walid. Walid Ismail. Yeah, man. You know, he's he's transmogrified from the the just like the 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 grittiest fucking gi world champion. Uh very successful in IVCWVC, not so successful. In Japan and the United States, but you know, still very hardcore, gritty, very, very weathered and respected jujitsu guy to some fucking idiot manager now. 
You see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, dude, no, man. Just like fake teeth, fake fucking everything. It's like everything is just so fake, dude. Like, get back to, you know, like, man, that's not what <laughs> Waleed. And then, so now everybody is want to be a Jake Paul. So he's training and he's calling out Papa Freitas to do the the celebrity boxing, which Papa is basically, you know, he's the the Brazilian, uh, you know, boxing icon of the last 30 years. Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I helped him a lot in his, uh, camp for his last, you know, professional fights and everything. And so, you know, I ran the MMA portion of his gym here in Brasilia in 2012. So I know Papa quite well, but it's like, the legend, legend, even down here, they're trying to do the whole, you know, Instagram, uh, clout fame, fight you know so everybody's looking at that now like everybody's trying to you know celebrity boxing sort of mindset now that's the way things are going now it's like becoming bizarre you know <laughs> yeah yeah i agree i agree triller was <laughs> incredible great it's- hey great production value i like the first one i like the white ring the lights that was yeah. killer the second one not so much look junky yeah. look junky so, that last one. miguel how long have we been talking to carlos Prater? About three and a half hours. Okay, I think we got to wrap this one up. <laughs> Mrs. Prater is going to come out here with the frying pan. Uh, that's that's what I, my belief is. She's so fast asleep, dude. She's got work in the morning. She's not. <laughs> she doesn't care. Carlo, thank you so much for joining us, brother. I really, really thank appreciate you, Mike. It. Man. And, and you know, we're going to have some more questions. You know, like were you pre- wait, real quick? Were you president any, at any of the Alex Davis Balid Ishmael brawls? Alex Davis? You know he's Alex, the, uh, tra- the, the ATT translator guy? He's kind of an older guy. Yeah. Him, him and yeah. Waleed fist fought like four or five times. Yeah, they broke ta- Did not like, know that. They broke Like tables. in Japan. Yeah. In Brazil, they broke tables. Did not like, know that. Like actually, Alex had to write a check to the restaurant owner for tables and chairs that were broken and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, they fought in elevators. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Alex is awesome. That's hilarious, man. Alex? Yeah. Yeah. Alex, Texas Alex? Yeah. Nicest awesome. guy, man. Oh, yeah. You like awesome. Alex Texas Day. Yeah. Tough old bird, too. Yeah. Big, big time. Big time. <laughs> Carlo, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. For thank you, time. Mike. Yep. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks so much. Good to see you again, Miguel. Definitely, as well, Carlo. Bro. Definitely. Thank you very much for the time. And we'll see. Uh, you know, hopefully you get your fights in, you get the 40 wins, and we'll do this hey. again to really wrap up the entire career. Bro. Send Chris a message, man. Get that BKFC fight. Amen. Amen, man. God bless. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you guys so much, man. Appreciate it, Mike.